are listening to the Quarter to Three movie podcast for Captain America, Civil War. My name is Tom Chick. I am here with Christian McClovia. Can I just be known as Tic Tac? (laughs) With a one or two or maybe more Captain America Civil War taglines, Kelly Wand. I like to crack it. (laughs) Really? JK. I mean, Tony did stink. I mean, it's like Batman v Superman, but with the script and heroes. <laughs> that goes on the poster, I think. Keep him coming, Kelly Wand. Don't 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 let us stop you. Takes run with takes it. place at every country but America. <laughs> uh, no, that's dumb. Now, you opened with a reference to the movie we're seeing next week, so that probably confused people. Next week, we'll be seeing The Lobster, and Kelly Wand wanted to pre-tagline it, I guess. No, I thought it applied to this one, too. Uh, oh, all, as well. So, okay, I, I'll have to puzzle it's gonna out. It's going to be the tagline for every movie. I like to crack yeah. it? I'm trying to ma- start a meme. I <laughs> <laughs> see. Good luck with that. Uh, Dingus, why don't you, while Kelly Wand is trying to, to figure out how to start a meme, why don't you subject Kelly Wand and I to a quiz or a test or a contest of some, of some sort? Right. Uh, this is not necessarily a synopsis so much as a listener review of this particular movie uh, that I would like mm-hmm. to read for you and hope that you guys can guess what movie I am talking about in this listener's review. Wait, I have a question. So this is something that you didn't write, a listener of the podcast? No, no, for us, no, no. Just it's just a random oh. review I read online that I really enjoyed reading. Oh, but why is it you called it a listener review? So the, it I'm sorry, I, I meant a, a viewer review. Of, I see, right, right. Just a random thing you got off the internet, someone's review. Exactly, okay. but it's not really a synopsis, so I didn't want to label it as such. I, I, li- I, I like I'm reading like uh, other people, other people's terrible reviews of things. Now, do you want to like say whether or not it's more aligned with actually Kelly and I? You, Kelly, you and I have such similar wheelhouses that I think like a movie aimed at me would, unless it's like Zapped. I was going to say, and no, Dingus I doesn't know the wheelhouse. Yeah. I think it's not his wheelhouse. Yeah, I think this is right down the middle for you guys. All right, uh, he used sports right. reference, so that's my wheelhouse. It's a golf thing. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> It's golf. You want to hit it down the middle of the fairway. Don't don't think I don't know what I'm talking about. It's land golf. golf. (laughs) What? (laughs) All right, here we go. Ready? Here we go. This movie worked for me because I see this movie as an exact opposite of Gone with the Wind. Farm owners instead of plantation owners. Scarlet fights and connives for what she wants. Ada gets depressed and turns inside herself until Ruby shows up to save the day, sort of, in a roundabout way. Deserters instead of officers trying to get back to their families. Cold Mountain? Very good, Tom. Oh, I thought it was Captain America. Why would you pick a Cold Mountain review? That's so random. I mean, why why would I know that? Wait, Uh, Cold Mountain is my wheelhouse? It's right down the middle. It's a golf thing. Like It's right down the middle of the fairway. When does Cold Mountain take place? Come on now. The Civil War? Thank you. That's okay. But it's a girl movie. 
So it's are not you. about the Civil War itself. It's about the people who stayed back from the Civil War. Mm. It's just concurrent. It's a Civil War movie. Yeah, it's concurrent with the Civil War. It's no more a Civil War movie than... Uh, it's like calling Columbus 1492 uh, a witch movie because it takes place same time as the witch. Which I was going to say it's like calling the conversation a Vietnam movie because it takes mm. place during the same time That's as a good Vietnam. point. It's like calling Godfather a Western because <laughs> they go to Hollywood. <laughs> Well, whatever the case, Kelly Wand, I won. What like calling the deer hunter uh, yeah. a wedding movie. This is a video game I would try for a minute and a half and go, yeah, I suck at this, and then just uninstall it. <laughs> so, that's how I feel about losing at it. <laughs> well, as this week's winner, then, uh, I'm going to ask Dingus to tell the listeners what we saw this week in the movie. Theater. <laughs> All right, well, this week we saw Captain America colon Civil War. Mm. Is this a Civil War movie, Tingus? Uh, it's more like staying time. away from the Civil War. It's concurrent. It's concurrent with Batman vs. Superman. <laughs> a 2016 American action-adventure science fiction superhero Marvel Cinematic Universe franchise movie about how correlation actually does imply causation after all. It was directed by Anthony Russo and Joe Russo and written by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, based on the crossover storyline Civil War by Mark Millar and penciled by Steve McNiven. Oh my god, Civil War is Mark Miller? Ew. I had no idea. Huh. Yikes. Did you know that, Kelly Wand? No, but you never know. There's a lot of storylines <laughs> I don't know, and I'm like, oh, Starlin wrote it? Oh, okay. I, don't, I mean, I, know, I don't know comic books, but I know enough to think that Mark, Mark Miller is a jerk. Yeah. I like saying Mark even- Miller. Because it sounds better, Mark Millar. It does make it clear that you're not talking about some poor schlub who happens to be named Mark Miller, but doesn't it? It, yeah, it also Mark makes Millar. me. It helps me understand that he's different from Frank Miller. So I always like need to separate those in my head for some reason. Who's Frank Miller? I don't know. Well, Mark Miller's the A Miller with his name is spelled with an A, right? Yeah, I'm, that's why I say Mark right, Millar. Right, right. Wait, is Frank Miller a comic book guy? Oh, no, 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 uh, Dark Knight. Uh, right, right, never mind. I do know, I do know. So I know some things about comic books. I'm right down the middle. Comic books. <laughs> yeah, you are. All right, so I'm sorry, I sidetracked you. I had no idea this was a, this was based on a Mark Millar storyline. Well, it's a crossover storyline, and then this whole, it's like a seven-series, like, book. Right, right. Um, I did actually know that, but who, so he, um, you, were there two names, Dingus? Did he co-write it? No, no, someone? I just, I just uh, included that it was penciled by Steve McNiven, just because that's what I found out. And I, you know, I like, hey, the guy penciled it. Why not? Why not? Uh, so is it, don't you say, like, there's a writer, there's a penciler, and isn't there an inker? Like, is, don't two artists normally get credited with comic books? I actually maybe yeah, but, but, it, but the inker is really okay. just tracing. Yeah. Is that true? Okay, because I, I hear a lot of times... Actually, I don't hear the a lot of times. The pencil are always just the know. accolades. Yeah, okay. and the tracer gets made fun of in Chasing Amy. Anyway, <laughs> uh, this movie stars everyone. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah, oh, <laughs> I thought we were going to get a list. Nope. All right. I just said it stars everyone. That's pretty much right. You got it. I was hoping one of you guys would ask what I mean, everyone. Anyway... No one's going to do a professional uh, quote I was for hoping you, you would do I was hoping to state. have a call and response, but that's all right. Um, Captain America, colon, Civil War is rated PG-13 for hmm. extended sequences of violence, action, and mayhem. <laughs> all right, Kelly Wand, a lot of times the MPAA sort of misses some important points that should be 
on the parental disclaimer list there. Is there anything that you feel got left off uh, for this week's movie rating? Uh, some red face. And... (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be embarrassing in a couple decades, I think. Um, (laughs) One of our listeners found that to be very creepy, by the way. It's also Paul Bettany's voice going with it, too. And that character I never pictured as being having a British accent. So the British accent makes it feel racist in a weird way. Because <laughs> you're watching a guy with a red makeup go, hello, like C-3PO. And they're the but- it's, he's the butler, too. I don't know. It's the weirdest. I'm not sh- it, eh, We'll talk about it. Yeah, I, I, I'm yeah, okay. Anyway, go ahead. So some red face. Anything else? Uh, and a giant penis wrapped in cable. <laughs> what? Also red. Man, that must. Yeah, I must have missed that part. No, uh, the airport. Giant penis wrapped in cable. Oh, he's talking about the Empire Strikes Back thing. Yeah. So the giant Ant Man is a penis. To Kelly, every you know, when you're a hammer, everything's a nail. Yeah, it's hmm. not blue. Sometimes it. Sometimes an Ant-Man is just an Ant-Man. What? You mean he's an ant down there? You you sick bastard. I wasn't even thinking of that. Uh, no. Kill. All right. Once again, uh, Captain hammer, America. Captain America Civil War is the number five opening of all time with $182 million for its opening. Oh, weekend. what? Oh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's nobody's surprised. Uh, it goes Star Wars at 248, Jurassic World 209, Avengers 207, Age of Ultron, 191, Civil War, $182 million opening. Number five of all time. Warner Brothers. Uh, what do you mean, Warner? Those are all Disney. I'm saying they're surprised. Well, not all Disney. Oh, all right. I, know, I don't think anybody's surprised. No, this was this is carefully calculated to have that kind of opening. It's uh, interesting because it's a Captain America movie. It came out a week early in Germany. <laughs> Well, you guys get that with all these, like, Marvel... I don't know that it happens with Star Wars, right? Star Wars didn't open a week early over there. No, but Captain America, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, didn't, like, Thor they also and Ultron... Call, they call it, uh... Because they, I was told by a German, they go, we don't call it that here because of the patriotism. So they just call it, uh, the first Avenger. So they left... For the first movie, they just took out the part that said Captain America, and then that <laughs> the springtime for Hitler... Wait, is it really called the First Avenger colon Civil yeah. War? Is that the joke? <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh my gosh, really? That makes sense, though. I mean, no, I mean, that makes sense. If I was trying to sell that overseas... Well, know. they don't do it in Spain, because I got pictures from Spain of... of you know, because Alexander was in Spain the, this week, and it was open there as well, but it it lists as Captain America. Yeah, I know, because well, we were in your war with Spain. He's a World War II hero. That's my point. That's why it's funny that that came out a week, week early in Germany to me. It's because it's, it's a World War II guy. Does anyone know, by the way, why a lot of these Marvel movies get a, a, a week early release in Germany? I don't, I don't yeah, know. I think it was just to pad out, the, uh, pad out the number, since there's so much. No, it always... Oh, oh, oh. like you're saying to get their opening yeah, box office. Yeah, worldwide box office. office. 180. I see. I mean, it's not like it needs any help, though. No, I mean, but they does. care about that. And the, they, people always... The, it's. I think it's dumb, but I guess it's new to report the opening week on box office. I wonder then, why don't they just open here a week early to pad out the box office? <laughs> why don't they just open everywhere a week early? <laughs> that was my joke, Kelly. Thanks for explaining that. Uh, let's see how the critics responded. Metacritic, which is the average rating from various reviews, Captain America Civil War is at 75. 
However, if we look at Rotten Tomatoes, the percentage of reviews for Captain America Civil War that are positive, 90% of them are positive. That said, Kelly Wand, I would like you to now explain to me, because there were times I was confused, what is going on in this movie? Maybe give me a Captain America Civil Wapsis. Well, that's pretty good. Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, now I get it a week early. <laughs> uh, rascal. Some words are all 1991, parentheses, Marvel Universe version. Bucky, that long-haired stoner guy from Creed, but deep down just a 1940s kid that <laughs> we're supposed to pretend was in the first Cap movie, is being tortured by Russians in a Marvel comic book movie torture appliance. A Captain America movie Russian opens a notebook with a red star on it that signifies the concept Bucky and reads aloud, <clears throat> Freight card Fred, the Wasp, Paste Pot Pete, Brother Voodoo, Matter Eater Lad, Bucky, Doorman, Dormammu, 3D Man, Bouncing Boy, Thor Girl, Fruit Boy, Kid Miracle Man. <laughs> These are real ones, by the way. <laughs> Thor Girl is real. Fruit Boy, Kid Miracle Man. Okay. The Wizard. I can't say it. <laughs> Wait, can I start over? Okay, these are all real ones. Spoiler alert. Freight Car Fred, The Wasp, Paste Pot Pete, Brother Voodoo, Matter Eater Lad, Bucky, Doorman, Dormammu, 3D Man, Bouncing Boy, Thor Girl, Fruit Boy, Kid Miracle Man, The Wizard, Arm fall off, boy. <laughs> no. No. Yep. Yep. No, no way. No. Oh, look it up. Your penis. Bucky's off. <laughs> Things that are green. A scientist looks up from a clipboard, nods, and goes, he's ready. They sell Bucky a motorcycle and hand him a folder that says third act spoilers inside. Bucky's all. I'm now brainwashed. What would you have the world's second greatest super soldier do? The Russians all. We need you to cause car crash on deserted road. None of our guys are up to it. <laughs> Only Bucky is capable. Some subtitles are all parentheses in Russian. Bucky makes his usual expression, then stares at the Russians. Some subtitles are all parentheses telepathically, parentheses, italics. I don't speak Russian. The Russians all. You're not telepathic. That night, Bucky ingeniously causes a car accident by ruining his motorcycle. He kills the occupants off-screen for now, then opens the car's trunk, gets out a briefcase, and stares at some crucifixes of blue CG with his usual expression. Music plays over creepy whispers as we close in on Bucky's face. His phone rings. He answers it. The Russian's voice is all, Yes, yeah, sorry, that was not right car. Also, uh... <laughs> We fucked up brainwashing. I accidentally read you a list of DC superhero names. Uh, it's a long story. Anyway, we need you to come back here when mission is complete so we can brainwash you properly into uh, actual winter civil war soldier. Bucky's all, yes. We hear the opening strains of SOS being played on a piano. Some CG comic book pages spell out Captain America Opsis, Copsis, Wopsis, and get thrown away by a mom. We're in, a man we're in a mansion's piano room. 
Debbie Harry's playing SOS. Iron Man's father, Dominic Cooper, tries on a mink bow tie and tells CG Teen Downey Jr., Good news, son, we bought you another boat this morning. And an Iron Man costume. The CG Downey's all groovy pop. <laughs> Something rebellious. Dominic Cooper's all, Come on, honey, let's go to the airport. Who knows, maybe I'll buy a plane. She's all, I'm Iron Man's mom, by the way, Martha Stark. She starts to... <laughs> Just as she sprays phlegm in every direction, it freeze frames. Iron Man's mask rises into the screen. We see he's on a stage addressing a couple of yawning elementary school students in a classroom. Iron Man's all, this was a CG therapy thing I made for six or fifty billion to keep my... Surely. This was a CG therapy thing I made for six or fifty billion to cope with my parents' unexplained death. Uh, didn't work for shit. Uh... My teleprompter saying to say something witty. Let's come back to that one. Now, here's my estranged wife to talk about my childhood traumas. He stares at the teleprompter, discombobulated. It says Gwyneth's character no longer interesting. He's all, fuck, I gotta go. Uh, I hope you all learned something today. I was a dropout, by the way. He farts, has a butler hand him a gold microphone on a satin pillow, drops it, stumbles off stage. One of the kids in the audience stands up and starts doing a slow clap. There's an establishing shot of a Disney backlot. Some giant words are all different place. Captain America raises a shield to his ear and goes, Okay, everybody, stay sharp. I mean, uh, Scarlet Witch, use your telekinesis to arrest any terrorists you see. rest of you, try and find something to do. (laughs) Hopefully you guys can hear me. Also, uh, (laughs) Scarlet Witch, if any bombs go off, try to redirect the blasts away from civilian office buildings. She's all, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Captain America heads outside into the middle of the intersection. There he directs traffic vigilantly, and even starts getting into it a little with his gloves. <laughs> Suddenly, a pedestrian with a ticking bomb strapped to his chest walks on screen, his thumb on the detonator. Caps all. Uh, suppose you're looking for an autograph. Well, I hate to burst your bubble, but Hulk's not here today. Or his torn shirt. But we cosbied ScarJo's green juice with gamma rays, and we're hoping she gets angry. The terrorist is all... My wife survived Sokovia. I can't stand her. A marriage counselor advised me this was my best option. Just as he blows himself up, Scarlet Witches encases the explosion and red CG moves it into the middle of a nearby office building and lets it explode. Windows shatter. The building collapses onto Scoot McNary. (laughs) (laughs) My legs! Remember the pee wheelchair? Kelly, so, one. There are very few times I've been glad that I saw Batman versus <laughs> Superman. That that was just now. That was one. It's of the great so movies. similar, and yet we see an establishing shot of the Pentagon. Some giant white words are all undisclosed location. William Hurt scowls and whacks a projector screen angrily with a pointer as he makes all the Avengers watch a bunch of CG explosion videos from existing trailer <laughs> footage. <laughs> New York City, a metrop, uh, yeah, Ghost Rider, <laughs> and worst of all, the people's oligarchy of Sokovia. Sokovia! Do you idiots know how much we rely on their main exports? Dust, porn, all the <laughs> Avengers look literally sheepish. Hawkeye's all, if this is about money, I just want to say I only shot one arrow. William Hurt's all, a Hulk arrow, you idiot. Millions died just from the fumes. Caps all, look, with all due respect, General Hurt, 
office building, schmoffice building. Scarge is all, yeah, really, I haven't felt this victimized since I kicked the blob in the nuts. William Hurt's all, which is why Marvel Universe President Obama wants you all to sign these papers, since it's one of the places you idiots fucked up by making Ultron, and its third main export is accordions. They're called the Sokovia Accords. They basically say you'll stop killing civilians, or you have to start paying a fine. Caps all, oh yeah, well guess what? I don't work for you, America. I answer to one man, Nick Fury. I think it's Rank Sergeant. He's not in this movie. <laughs> Forget what happened to him. <laughs> Iron Man's all. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> He's absent minded, is how I interpreted the character. Captain America. <laughs> Iron Man, you make him relatable. Which is what Kevin is supposed to be, right? Goat shield. Iron Man's all fine. Uh, to impress Gwyneth Paltrow, I'll sign anything dumb, but only in the African country we just ruined. Some giant words are all later by an elevator. Iron Man hangs out with a black lady. C-H pounder. Spice things up. He's all oh, women. When will you little honeypots learn you got to push this button to get an elevator? <laughs> oh my! Oh my! <laughs> They're just like women. You murdered my son. His name was Roger Character, and he was going to be a movie extra. <laughs> Where are those dreams now? No one's even going to know his name. Here, you bastard. Here's a flyer for his band. <clears throat> Iron Man's all, whoa. First off, what's any of that got to do with your incomprehension regarding elevators? Some giant words are all... <laughs> Some giant words are all Avengers parentheses mansion. Iron Man's all. And then she made me read the stupid flyer. So I say we do whatever William Hurt wants. The last time someone accosted me by an elevator, it was Guy Pierce in Iron Man 3. So this time I've learned my lesson, whatever that is. Scarjo's all. I'm conflicted, partly. Cap's all. I can't sign my name on anything. Not while I still have a lead on Bucky. Iron Man's all. Who the fuck's Bucky? Dingus's nine-year-old walks on screen with a stack of comics, drags a whiteboard over and goes, I got this. <laughs> Tom, pay attention. He starts sketching some stubble. The Scarlet Witch's lacy red bra is all, would anyone like a cup of cocoa? She's all, Vision, we talked about this. He's all, oh, sorry. He retreats inside her. Hawkeye walks on screen with a cell phone. He's all, Cap, it's the funeral home. They said your 1940s love interest just died of convenience, and her memorial starts in 20 minutes. I wonder if her daughter looks anything like her. I'm retiring, by the way. He walks off screen. Some words are all later at a funeral. Captain America hangs out with his black friend. He's all, man, I sure am going to miss that sexy 1940s brunette agent Coulson. After her, it's hard for me to imagine ever being able to connect with any. Holy shit, who's the blonde? <laughs> Falcon's all, shit, yeah. The blonde's all, blondly. As the blonde descendant of beloved brunette British Los Angeles Marvel icon Jessica, Je I mean, uh, Agent Coulson, I'd just like to both open and conclude by saying that I'll never forget the words my great-great-great-grandmother said to me on the day I was born. Sometimes when the world's in your way, you should tell it to get out of your way. 
Uh, and she also told me that when Iron Man tries to say a bunch of shit about signing the Sokovia Accords, fuck him. And if Bucky's still alive, the fact that he pulled you out of the water after punching you a bunch of times means maybe he's not... <laughs> I'm fucking this one up. I'm sorry. Means maybe not his entire brain's washed. And also, hopefully, this time Hawkeye's retirement's permanent. Captain America stands up and goes, I want you inside me. Also, could you repeat all that? I couldn't hear a word you're saying over my boner. Oh, shit. I said that out loud. Some giant words cover him that say Africa, probably. The words disappear. A man in a tuxedo and a Black Panther mask walks up and goes, Captain America, welcome to the... I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Captain America, welcome to the Panther-themed patriarchy of Wakanda. What does we say in my land, Ungawa? Cap extends his red glove and goes, My friend calls me Steve, although he's brainwashed right now. Might be planning to blow up your father. There's a white people's term that perhaps you people of color are not familiar with. It's pronounced brother. And that's what Bucky is to me. Uh, anyway, I'm not signing shit. Some things are more important than other things. He stomps off angrily, dragging his shield extra loud. Scarjo walks up. She's all, sorry about Steve. When it comes to race, keep in mind he was born during the last Civil War and his brain's been frozen since 1945. Probably why he never made major. We have a saying in my country, yet I fear it has little pertinence. Ah, Papa. They fist bump, then take turns kissing Scarlett Johansson. Iron Man walks on screen. We hear a toilet flushing as he holds his arms proudly. He solves, there's nothing this suit can't do. (laughs) <laughs> Mr. Stark, you have toilet paper protruding from your ass armor. Please allow me to kill Scarlet Witch. Speaking of which, I know I kind of screwed the pooch by making Ultron and ending so many compelling lives in Sokovia, but the time for me being dumb and causing needless carnage is over. Wakanda explodes. Black Panther coughs a little, then walks over to his dad, who has a little dirt on him. Papa! Black Panther Sr. all son, uh, avenge Wakanda. Make... Scarlet Witch, kiss the other Scarlet. He falls asleep. A cop walks up, holding a Bucky mask. He's all, sir, we found this. While Black Panther takes the mask, sinks to his knees and screams no, ScarJo sighs at Iron Man and goes, great, now we have to kill Captain America to solve these murders. Iron Man thoughtfully studies a Hollywood Reporter headline that says, Sony stock plunges after Mark Webb sucks again. Iron Man raises a finger to his mask's chin and goes, hmm. Some skateboard music plays in slow motion while DJ Qualls comes home, shuts the door, and stares at the couch. <laughs> He's all, Aunt May? <laughs> Iron Man's mask lifts from Marissa Tomei's thighs and goes, I can't wait to see who's Uncle Ben. Toilet flushes. Kobe Bryant emerges in a towel on a Segway. He's all, what's up, yo? Some giant white words are all, Peter's bedroom, exclamation point. Gee whiz, Mr. Stark, how'd you know I'm the new Spider-Man? I saw it on Lex Luthor's laptop. Look, I need you to help me kill Captain America, you know, for William Hurt. You'll be involved in African bombings. Uh, okay, uh, do you even know what my powers are? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we all know what your powers are. Five movies. They're adhesive themed. Genius. <laughs> He's Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> so, but good. So you win. <laughs> you win. So you win. I uh, can't guarantee your safety or my friendship. Okay. Is there money involved? Uh, I was hoping you'd do it based on uh, principle. 
Uh, well, what's the fight about? You need to say that. Fucking nerd. All right. Hey, look. <laughs> Check it. That's where you keep your costume. He pokes a discolored ceiling panel with his trademark cane. A bunch of porn spills out, followed by a noose. <laughs> Marissa Tomei opens the door with a tray of lemonade. Hawkeye walks on screen and goes, by the way, I've come out of retirement. Some giant white words are all. Berlin's iconic airport runway. Everybody lines up facing each other after a few minutes of confusion. <laughs> Iron Man's all, okay. So if we just say who they are, which side they're on, and why. <laughs> For the poster. In as many words as possible. Let's get on with the CG vomit off. Here, I'll start. Uh, my name's Iron Man. I'm doing this because Gwyneth Paltrow's character disapproves of my superhero hijink, so destroying a German airport should show her I've turned over a new leaf. I'm also upset with Captain America since his mother's name's not Martha. Yeah, it is. Too late. Now you go. <laughs> Cap finishes arm wrestling a helicopter and goes, Okay, my name's uh, Captain America. I'm here to fight the government of the United States because my friend Bucky was brainwashed and I thought that fighting at an airport would be more cinematic than just showing evidence in court or using reason. Plus, I hate authority. Scarlet Witch is all. I'm the fun of, I mean the Scarlet Witch. I also played the character of Masa Madshin Marvana Magdalene. I caused all this strife because I missed an explosion and I'm sick of apologizing for it. Hello, I'm Ultron of Vision. I'm in love with the Scarlet Witch, so I'm fighting against her. I'm Scarlett Johansson. Um, since I'm a KGB agent and there's already a girl on the other team, I'll be representing America. <laughs> also, just FYI, since we couldn't afford Hulk's contract, he wasn't a fan of the script. My love interest in this movie is one of the black characters named after an animal. Hawkeye's all. Uh, <laughs> Hawkeye's all. Uh, my name's Hawkeye. Spider-Man's all. I'm here because Iron Man blackmailed me and because I've always wanted to work for a mega corporation. And, of course, because like most of us, I want to kill Captain America. <laughs> Dingus saved me. Stan Lee's all. Who wants a mustache ride? <laughs> oh, my <laughs> <laughs> Princess Leah raises her hand excitedly. <laughs> then she's all. My superpowers are latent, by the way, due to my creative lack of interest in real life and learning kendo. Plus, my character's already a beloved diplomat. Paul Rudd's all. Um, I'm Ant Man. I fought Falcon in my movie, so in this one I don't. Bucky looks at Black Panther. <laughs> Rudd's easy. Bucky looks at Black Panther and goes, I didn't kill your dad, just Iron Man's. Black Panther's all. I am dignified. Iron Man's all. Okay, everybody, thank you. Now I'm going to stand with my leg like this. 
So it evokes the classic comic book panel of me reading the Sokovia Accords on an airport runway from the hostess Twinkie on page 27 of Remarkable Captain America, issue number 69, penciled by Mr. Rob Liefeld. <clears throat> Some white words are all a bunch of stuff at an airport happens. Cap and Bucky win the fight by paralyzing Don Cheadle and leaving the rest of their friends to get arrested while they head to Russia to look for clues. Some white words are all hallway. Cap's all, ha, good one, Bucky. It was an actual shepherd who just happened to be German. Now I get it. Bucky's all, I didn't say anything. Cap's all, shh, see anything yet? Bucky's all, no. All, <laughs> Jesus. No, my eyes are closed. Also, that's your shield, not a magnifying glass. Also, Iron Man's punching you. Cap's all, huh? Why are you? Don't worry, Bucky. Yeah. I just impaled Iron Man's stupid heart with my shield. Civil War won for once. Emancipation. Complete. Bucky's all. Uh, it's not his heart. It's his junk. Literally. Bucky's arm falls off. A Russian walks on screen. He's all, by the way, this is why the movie just happened. <laughs> he makes them all watch the dream sequences from Batman vs. Superman. <laughs> Black Panther walks on screen and goes, you are under arrest. The Russian smiles sadly. Am I? Black Panther's all, no, the cycle of hate ends now. Here, I give you a million dollars. Some giant white words are all, ending of movie. <laughs> Iron Man's yawning at a desk. He suddenly notices us and goes, Oh, uh, <clears throat> I mean, uh, yeah, thanks there, Gwyneth, off screen. I love me too. I'm glad we're back together because of the plot. He picks up his phone. Hello? Uh, Gwyneth, you didn't need to call me. Also, right after seeing me? Oh. He accidentally hits a button. The phone emits a deafening dial tone while he overactingly fumbles to hang it up. Stan Lee walks on screen with a FedEx envelope, looks into the camera and goes, Package for shit, man. He points at, tre- <laughs> he points a trembling, knobby finger vaguely in the envelope's direction in Iron Man's. My audience laughs fondly and applauds his acting. Iron Man rests the parcel on the shield, still jutting from the scrotum, opens it, and hears Chris Evans' voice emerge from the envelope while we look at a montage of Chris Evans talking in a recording booth from various comic book angles. He's all, Dear Iron Man, by the exact second you get this, it'll be too late for you to stop me from raising bail money on the imprisoned characters and shooting a scene with them in a jungle, which I guess is Wakanda because of this anatomically correct panther statue I'm lying on. Although the Savage Line would have been cooler, you know, where Kazar's from? Anyways, I hope we can be friends in the next movie, since your mom wasn't all that great. Rock on. P.S. Chris Evans goes silent. Iron Man closes the box, shakes his head, and waits for Stanley to get out of the shot. Some giant white words are all the end. Some credits roll that are all dragged out by Kelly Wand. Listened to in spurts by Tom and Dingus. Some white words are all Easter egg. Marissa Tomei pounds on Spider-Man's bedroom door and goes, What's going on in there? Why are all these pictures of me from Cousin Benny I found in the bathroom so sticky? Are you Spider-Man or something? He's all, Nothing yet, Marissa. We slowly pan up to see he's looking at some red CG on his ceiling. My audience murmurs excitedly. Dingus stands up and goes, nice! <laughs> <laughs> Zack Snyder runs back in, spilling popcorn. And goes, Fuck, there was an Easter egg? <laughs> <laughs> the end. Uh, 
Kelly Wan, can we do that again? It's like a roller coaster. I want to ride it yeah, one more time. You're supposed to evoke the movie. Thanks. Wow. Oh, turned out fantastic. okay. It's kind of a rush. have to stand in line again to ride the roller coaster. <sighs> National Treasure, <laughs> Kelly Wand. Well, I'm just following traffic, man. <laughs> All right, so... Uh, Thank you. Yeah, Tom, you sound like you hated the movie. Well, it's not for me. Oh, dingus. You hear it? Mean, not for you. What does that uh, even mean? Uh, it's not for me. I mean, I think this is a great big old instance of fan service. I don't think it's very well made. Um, but I think if you're totally into the characters, if you still care a lot about them, which I frankly don't at this point, uh, you know, it's for it's for people like that. It's it's, it's a crowd pleaser. And I'm, uh, I'm no longer in that crowd of people who want to watch superheroes punch each other. I mean, not to say I can totally understand why it got well-reviewed. I'm, I'm almost I, – I was sitting there watching it thinking, man, I bet Dingus was having a great time when he saw this. I imagine your son liked it. But, uh, yeah, I, there were a few things I liked, but for the most part, I'm not convinced these guys are good directors. The Reese's? Uh, you don't like them? Yeah. yeah I mean, did you like Arrested I mean, Development? <clears throat> well, that's a very different kind of direction, isn't it? Yeah, but, like, I like I they the, work yeah, but it's a sign of just instincts, creative instincts. I, I disagree. Like the way TV directors work is very, very different than the way a movie director mm-hmm. works. They're, they're very different kinds of uh, skill sets. I would That's say. That's true, but you're still um, learning. Well, I would say they're very Colin Trevorrow in the sense that they get handed a big budget and a huge license, and they're willing to work within the confines of whatever the studio wants them to do. And something like this it gets doesn't produced, always, and it's hugely successful. But like Duel was TV. I'm talking about TV series, like a TV series. Yeah. A TV well, movie. Is a TV movie even still a, a, a form anymore, yeah. a media form? Yeah. But, I mean, it, it, Arrested Development's like a comedy, and this is like this has action and comedy in it. And so for I you, thought it, it was missing work on but, either level. Because to me, it worked on... Uh, no, no, the, some of the, no, no, some of the action scenes were very good. Uh, the same with Captain America 3, like some decent action sequences. Um, but, uh, yeah, one of my problems with this is I, I thought it was lacking a lot of the humor that Joss Whedon put in the Avengers movies. Oh, God. You're so weird to me. I love it. Dingus? Why? Just because I thought so it was Dingus, funnier I, and better, and the action was better than Joss Whedon's. Oh, wow. Okay, well, Joss Whedon's, I think, is more character-driven. Uh-huh. I, I think this Boo. This was, was going for that, but I, I thought just the conflict was contrived. Um, compared to Batman versus Superman? Or compared to just like the other the good Marvel movies? Compared, well, uh, the good, jeez, what are the good Marvel movies besides Avengers? I'm you don't sure. like Iron Man? I guess, Iron Man? I like Shane Black's Iron Man. I like Josh. The, the Marvel movies I like have a strong uh, directorial imprimatur, whatever you want, have a strong directorial style. Like there's a voice to them. Um, and the voice here is just a, like studio product, for, for me at least. So I like Shane Black's Iron Man. I like uh, Joss Whedon's original Avengers. Uh, what other superhero movies do I like? Yeah, uh, you know, Christopher Nolan's Batman, uh, the good one. That's not Marvel, uh, right? Right. As far as like comic book movies, superhero movies. Um, mm. So that's it. I mean, I don't. I you guys apparently liked it. I want to hear about this. Uh, Dingus wanted. So Kelly wanted. It sounds like you liked I loved it. it. We'll get back to that. Ding. Oh, good. Awesome. So Dingus, your turn. Uh, what, what did you think of this thing? It's interesting to me to hear you say the the phrase. Um, is there any such thing as a TV movie anymore? Is that what you just said? Well, I'm thinking of like Duel. Like Kelly yeah. Wan, yeah. Steven Spielberg's first movie was Duel. So, you know, like do the networks have 
I, I, the networks are all like reality TV and series and uh, hour-long But TV is also stuff. The Wire and a lot of cinematic. Well, I say that, okay, I say that as a guy, and, and I don't want to drop names here, but I, I will because this is kind of what I'm getting at. Uh, I've been in a TV show directed by Joss Whedon. I, I was one of the actors on an episode of The Office that Joss Whedon directed. I got to watch Joss Whedon work on something that he had very little input on. He shows up, when you get a director on a TV show, the showrunners and the cast, I think, have more creative influence on how the product turns out than a director, because they have a rotating uh, uh, set of directors, generally, on a TV show. Like, there's no consistent input from a director the way there is over the course of a movie. So, I, you know, that ep- if you watch that episode of The Office that I was in that Joss Whedon directed, I don't think you would get any sense, wow, Joss Whedon is awesome, because he didn't write it. Uh, I think so. So you, you watch... That's just- so I'm just saying, like, when I see a Joss Whedon movie, when I've seen... And I, you know, I, I don't know Buffy that well. I've, I've never seen Serenity, unfortunately. But that's an instance where even though he didn't direct episodes, it feels very much like Right, him. but The Office, like you said, it's a very confined space. Like, I mean, all The Office episodes are kind of similar, and they have those same rhythms, so he probably probably was irrelevant who directed. Like, that's a specific... And that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm getting at. And, and that's the background that I feel that they're probably uh, not calling Trevorrow because he did an indie movie. But that's what the Russo brothers come well, from. Well, you know. Yeah. But it's hard to do. But action direction is, is kind of it's, – it's really – it's harder to do than the office. It's very hard to do. And to their credit, I mean, there's some really good action sequences yeah. there, I thought. You really? Okay. Because that, to me, is yeah. a big deal. And, like, what really it, – like, it's – well, never mind. I want to hear from Dingus. I feel like I've said – Yeah, so Dingus, I say, you, I'm sorry. So you wanted to bring up the thing about TV movies. Are we missing something? Yeah, what I was trying to say was um, I think that this is more akin to the way modern television, really good sure. modern television – relates to the whole uh, rather than it being an individual thing. And so when you said um, there's no such thing as a TV movie anymore, immediately my mind went to uh, things like Game of Thrones. Um, And because while watching this movie, what I immediately thought as I was sitting there watching it, and like Kelly Wand, I really, really loved this thing, um, was that there is no, there is no way to look at these movies anymore. And, and early on when I would give my little mini synopsis and call it the Marvel cinematic universe or whatever, there was a little tongue in cheek kind of a thing going on, but that's no, no longer the case. Because as I was watching this and I was thinking about how is, how this, how is this going to resolve? How are all these things going to come together? Kind of different than the way we first, you and I, Tom, especially looked at how Avengers was going to come together and were so nervous about it. I don't think these anymore can be looked at uh, or should be looked at necessarily as separate entities. And it's fine if you want to do that and try to look at it as a separate movie and try to understand it in that way. But I think it's more like this almost grandiose, epic, like television series. And we've talked many times over the last few weeks and the last few months about how video games and movies have sort of like melded into into like using each other's in using each other's memes or using each other's tropes and i think that that this series is starting to use what's going on in tv and where tv has gone and is even expanding that so that this is like almost an an amazing multi-year almost novelic uh look at 
at, at the way television has gone and expanding upon that. So if you look at something like Game of Thrones or, or some other huge television series that you could look at as this huge novel, even going back to, um, uh, I, I don't know, um, I, I can't, I can't think of anything right now, but I'm, I was just so excited to watch this and think of this as this is part of a universe and there's a reason that it's part of a universe and there's, there's an overarching idea of what's going on in it and, there's a reason why these two guys, Anthony and Joe Russo, are the ones that they're giving these things to, at least these last two, because they, they proved, I thought, so competent in Winter Soldier. I thought uh, so, too, yeah. And, and it's, it's part of a whole, and I'm so excited to talk about it within those confines, but I can also evaluate it as a movie, but that's why your your comment, Tom, about there's no such thing as a TV movie anymore was so interesting to me because TV shows now are becoming released as entire series immediately. Here you go. Here's a whole series. Boom. You get 10 episodes. You get these many episodes. Or like Game of Thrones, you might get these little mini movies that strung to whole is this whole big thing. And I think of, of this movie as part of this this larger universe that is is sort of an amalgam of that whole idea of like where did the TV movie go? Well, I I think it went back and it, can, it has come back to here, and it's part of this whole thing, and not in the way that say the Star Wars movies are are all of these like uh, trilogies, but all of these things relate. They all interrelate. It's it's this huge like weird graph diagram of this universe that is being constructed, and that's why watching this movie makes me so excited. And and why you saying Tom that thing about TV movies just really inspired me to talk right now. Well, I don't, I don't, I mean, just this is semantic, but TV movies are things like they used to make in the seventies, and they're how Steven Spielberg got started with Duel, and it's where a network. You know, uh, d- uh, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, for instance, like right. a TV movie yeah, like yeah. that. ABC used to have regular standalone TV movies. It's not part of a series. It's not a franchise. They would just put out one movie. So that's what I'm saying. Those don't exist anymore. What exists now is this kind of stuff, franchises. And I don't think this is anything new. I mean, you want to – I think this is a, a part and parcel. This is the same cloth that Star Wars is cut from, Twilight, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings. Like, studios recognize the importance of a franchise. Um so I, this is, I, I would say this is part of that. I don't think it's anything new. I think it's just Disney being Disney and knowing how to, to be remarkably successful with something that people want and that people love. Well, I, well I, I kind of agree with you, but I also think it's a, it's a next step. It's, it's, I, I totally understand what you're saying about how Duel well, was I mean, like so, this, this right. kind of little thing. Or even Gettysburg was, you know, as I've tried to talk about it in different – Yeah, Turner, is, right. Is a, a TV quote unquote movie, but but what I'm talking about is sort of this not leapfrogging, but a back and forth. Like now we've got movies, now we've got TV shows that have, that feel like movies, and now we've got TV seasons that feel like a movie, and now this is a movie that feels like a television season, but but on a much grander scale, and that's that's why what you said excited me. And I think it's on a much grander scale because it's a proven model; it works; it's successful. Right, right. But then versus Superman, we just saw it. Like, it's trying to do the same thing, but this is such a better... Like, this it, feels like a movie, and it's got great moments in it that are iconic. And, like, I like... Like, I kind of watched it the way Kieran did, because I was a Marvel kid, so I was getting the fan service that bored Tom, I think. But as a movie, there's a lot in it that I thought was really working. 
kind mm-hmm. of elegantly. And the writing's really good. Did you, like, conceding that the director on a TV show is less relevant than the script, like, did you like the writing in the movie? For this? Uh, no, not really. I, I really had a problem with the whole premise, actually. Um, I don't know the source material, I have to admit. I can't, you know what? I, oddly enough, I know the source material from, from video games. Really? Uh, and I, that's, that's not to say I've never read the, the comics, but I've played games that reference is the other uh, so in the in uh, the in the source material is Thor in it because it seems like he would really offset things depending on which side he was on yeah. and so yeah. would the Hulk like well, you know what it's with, yeah and, and you know there are magic characters here too like the uh, Vision and Scarlet Witch are basically they can do whatever they yeah. want to do uh, it's like throwing magic into it which I don't necessarily and have this a is an Avengers with. movie with Captain America title. It, it really oh, yeah, is. I think it's clearly an yeah. Avengers movie. Yeah, the it's fact that it has the Captain America title. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think it's just, you know, they're wanting to spread the love, yeah, yeah, so yeah. to speak. And by love, I mean but he, financial resources and marketing investment. They're wanting to spread it around. It still kind of works because he's the center of it. And he rebels. I really liked that. Like, I didn't realize, yeah, it was it was interesting. Like, it really comes down to his... I guess in the in the comics, though, he gives that speech that the blonde funeral goes so they well the uh the comics as i recall and actually i shouldn't say the comics the third hand experience i have with things based on the like the first hand experience i have with like things based on the comics it's several times removed from the actual comics uh is that the actual civil war is more of an indirect statement about gun control (laughs) that it's not multiple instances there's there's a fight that takes place where a bunch of kids at a school get killed uh and after that fight the government wants everyone who has superpowers to, to register so they can sort of track those superpowers. And it's about, you know, do you register this superpower with the government or is it exclusively yours and you're free to oh, do with it? Okay. Is. Yeah. Kiernan said something like that, too. I didn't yeah. know what he was talking about. And again, that's not no one take my word for it. I'm sure there are people who know the Mark Miller comics no, that w- way better. Than me. But as I experienced them, it was about gun control. This movie is about collateral damage. And I think it's hugely glib with its political message. Um, and that was that's my main problem with the writing, Kelly Wand. Uh, so two problems I would say for me, I think the, the the political observation is really superficial, and I disagree with it entirely. And I I really wish it had more humor in it. Uh, I thought Spider-Man. a lot of it was was Spider Man was awesome. Yeah. I mean the humor bits were great, uh, but I I thought it was a largely somber and kind of humorless movie. And, and it's the same themes we just heard dumb dumber in. Well, that yeah, I mean. And here's a weird thing, and, and again, I want to get to why you guys like it more, because that's way more interesting, but I at least appreciate it in Batman vs. Superman, all the visual stylings, stylings, like Zack Snyder, say what you will about him, the guy at least has a very visual imagination, uh, and there are lots of things in there that are taken directly from the comics, that are framed like comic books, even, you know, Dingus made fun of the falling pearls, but that's right out of the comics, and that's, that's like powerful imagery, Zack Snyder zooms in on imagery. He's a tracer. And, and for all of the, like, slow-mo that he does, like, it's full of slow-mo, at least there's, like, a visual style there. I got no sense of that here. No, that fight... So my under... Yeah. My, my under is actually, and I'm bracketing very closely, uh, Batman vs. Superman. Uh, yeah. Well, at least it's not your over, for God's sake. Yeah, good, good my over, my over, my, my over is Age of Ultron, because at least that did. Ew, wow, Age of Ultron's your um, over. And I'm bracketing very closely. I didn't like oh, any of these. Yeah. Wow. Bold a, move. Bold. 
All right, so let's get to you guys. So, uh, what? Explain to me, like, what? So, Dingus, you're, you're you're very thrilled at what Disney is doing with the Marvel Universe. Uh, you're comparing it to like the sort of Renaissance we're experiencing. Are you in doing TV. that? But let's be honest. Are you denigrating it? By, are you throwing Disney in just to be just to denigrate? You're very, you're very thrilled Disney? what Disney is doing with yeah, the Marvel. Yeah, you keep mentioning Disney as the perpetrators. Come but on. It's, well, it is a Disney property yeah. now, just like Star Wars. Yeah, but we know what you're doing right there. Come on. <laughs> Uh, well, I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, I, I think of Star Wars and Marvel as Disney. Disney bought Marvel and Star Wars. They're responsible these days for the way that this stuff is being created. Why, why is that? Why no, does that I just hear the way you're saying He's it. saying but, it's product. But yeah, I'm He's, very, right. Yeah, I'm, He's right. He's right. But I, am very, I am very thrilled because I think, that, I think that there is, as I sat there watching this thing um, – and really, and really, kind of grooving on it, and, and but still being confused by who are all these characters, and and this is something that I, w- I was so nervous about when Avengers first came out. Um, <laughs> is is all, how are we going to get all of these characters into one movie and give every one of them something to do? Yeah. That, that makes them an individual. Um, and so we got a new guy running in. We got, a, we've got another new guy running in. Uh, I didn't know who black Panther was. I didn't know who that guy was. Luckily I was sitting there with my son who knows these things. And he was like, that's black Panther. That's oh, And he was so excited when Spider-Man showed up. He was so excited when, uh-huh. these, when, and you know, when anybody new showed up that, uh, you know, that I didn't know, you know, he was kind of giving me a little bit of cliffs notes on that. So that was great for me, but you know, I'll be it. Uh, I don't know comic books enough to know this. So if I hadn't known any of this, this, this thing would have been totally incomprehensible to me. But I do, and I do think that what you're saying, Tom, about what Disney is doing with this, um, is, is making this overarching universe that, that I really do appreciate. I really do like, uh, and I, I, I think this is head, head and shoulders above Ultron. Oh my God. Uh, it's so weird to me to hear you put Ultron right, o- right over this. Cause like I said, at least it had a sense of humor. Like at least Joss Whedon was trying to make jokes and it was more lighthearted. Um, it didn't take itself so seriously. Well, er, well, every now uh, and, and then that was one of my problems oh, yeah. with this. Well, the, I mean, I, I think that's fair enough, but I think every now and then when you're watching, and this is one of the reasons why it was exciting for me to hear you talk about, you know, TV movies and then, me to sort of make this cognitive like connection between the way television series and movies are getting more and more related to each other as far as how they are episodically released um, in different ways that every now and then you're going to have a downer. You're not going to have something that's entirely exciting or in, and is as funny as everything else. There's plenty of funny in this movie, but it's not as funny as Iron Man, or it's not as funny as Avengers, but it's got stuff that's humorous in it. But this might be part of the, part of the arc of this overall storyline. If you think of it as a long storyline, and that's what I'm starting to think of it as, and that's why I'm so excited right now, as maybe this is this is sort of the we're in sort of a tragic period in the storyline, and we have to go through that, and then we'll. We'll start to trend up, and we'll get things like Ant Man, which are which are goofy parts of it, uh, which are goofy parts this of the story, which are, which are spikes. Um, but this, yeah, I think you're right, Tom. I think it, it doesn't it isn't as funny as the others, although there are funny things in it. I mean, like, can you move your seat up? Bird costume, come on. I mean, there's a lot of funny stuff in this movie, there's but it's not. There's great jokes in this movie, but, yeah, it's, but you're ones. right. It's not as funny as the other ones. I'll see Tom, uh, so, the the, okay. uh, the connective tissue of the collateral damage stuff is a little tedious, especially since we just saw the same themes enacted in 
Um, no, you're right, Kelly. This really recently. But there's stuff in this movie that I love, and I didn't love anything in Batman vs. Superman. And I feel, and to, to, to give Zack Snyder credit for a visual eye, like he's good at capturing just like still images, but when things move, he, he annoys me. And in this movie. No, come on, all the fighting and sucker, like Emily Browning rolling around in Sucker Punch. That's moving. Yeah, I guess. But anybody can do that. I get what you're saying, though. I get what you're saying. Like, it doesn't and, really, and, it doesn't move you. Yeah, and compare and I and compare that to the fight in this movie, like because that movie is called Batman vs Superman, and the fight, which the title's supposed to refer to, the Dawn of Justice too. It's a it's a fucking email file, and the Batman vs <laughs> Superman fight's like five minutes of the movie, and in this, the fight's like a huge money shot. It's a great reason to just see the movie by itself. I think. You mean the airport fight? Yeah, and I re- right. it's like, and I was the one that I really <clears throat> liked. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, just like all those different powers, like fighting each other and, and having to keep track of all of it and having us being able to understand even what's going on, like that's pretty challenging. Uh, the one that I really liked, because I'd never seen anything quite like it before, I loved the stairwell fight. Like some really good shots and mm-hmm. just basically choreography in that sta- the stairwell fight where Bucky's a few bo- floors below him and there's all the cops. Oh, yeah, that was a great one. There was some really yeah, clever stuff down great. there. I like the, the car chase afterwards. Um, I, I, I love that you. whole one superhero racing against another, and then another, and then another. There's four yeah. superheroes chasing each other through that. For different that, reasons. And yeah. Bucky – and Captain America is trying not to kill people, so it's got it – that's what I really liked about Dark Knight, where Batman's trying to like – he's trying to like incapacitate all those cops, so he has to like pull his punches. Like it's it, – I don't know. It's just a terrible thing. I totally forgot that time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's just good choreography about like looking down, who can see where, who's at which side of the stairwell, who's falling down, what they're doing with the railings. Um, yeah, I quite like the choreography yeah. there. Yeah. So, and the airport, by the way, as the airport fight was unfolding, I was like, "You guys better start flinging airplanes around or something." Where did an airport <laughs> take advantage of it? So I was so glad that they actually that that actually had some payoff. By the way, uh-huh. but, yeah. But I also watched. I mean, I enjoyed this movie just on a. I don't know. I mean, it is product, but it is like it's good product, and we don't always even get that. So, and there's parts of it that I'll remember for because I was seeing this as Kiernan as Kiernan saw it because I was sort of a Marvel kid, and I was like, oh, Black Panther, he's part of it now. I was excited. Yeah, he knew and they, all those guys. Yeah, and they did advance the storyline. Uh, like, a lot happens. Like Bucky's going back into the ice, and now there's two Avengers. Like it, like. I guess I do agree with Dingus. It's like they are things are changing every movie now, and that didn't used to be the case. Although I don't know, is are all the single? Well, again, I guess you guys are. I think you guys are giving short shrift to you know Star Wars and Twilight and Harry Potter and stuff. I don't. I don't think this is anything new. This idea of no. taking what's new is the scale of it. I'll grant right. you, and that's that's what comes from from buying a whole comic book license. Is you have so much more to play with, and because we're at a time where it's hugely successful. More money, more talent, more resources are getting thrown at this. Um, I think you're actually right about that, Tom, because now that I think about it, and this is not something I've paid attention to, and I think that you're right to say that I'm giving it short shrift, is that – and this is something because I don't pay attention to press about movies that are coming out that I'm interested in. um, The Star Wars universe is going to have a lot of spinoff things going yeah, because I closed my eyes for a Rogue One trailer, and I'm not even. Yeah, right. so that, that's the idea, and that's why Dingus, it's not denigrating at all. Disney knows what. Yeah, they're you're doing. right. You're absolutely I mean, right. I shouldn't have said that. So yeah, this you're is right. this yeah. is Disney running with the vast resources they have at their fingertips by buying Marvel, and they're doing the same thing with Star Wars, pushing it in different directions. Um, 
So I, I, I agree, it's definitely exciting, but I, I just think it's it's the conventional wisdom we've learned from Twilight, from Harry Potter. But I think from, Twilight and Harry Potter you know, are more of a graph. This is more of tentacles. I mean, or not tentacles, but 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 uh, you know, all these different striations going off, and like here's this over here, and this is how this is going to connect to this over here, and and this is how Ant Man is going to connect over here and over there and over there. And I think that now that you say that, it makes sense because of the things that I've heard on the periphery of of the different thing who who's doing Star Wars movies it's not episode blank is coming out it's this is epi- this is not an episode this is right this, this is Ryan Johnson here's Colin Trevorrow yeah, exactly, exactly, right. exactly exactly yeah and i think you're right about that yeah yeah i, I, I just think... like the way that it's it's structuring this particular universe because i've become so enamored of these characters and well here and along those Along those lines, I just want to say real quick. Along those lines, Dingus, one of the things that I, I that I experienced watching this movie, I love Tom Holland so right. much, and I was so glad to see yeah. him show up. I liked what they did with Spider Man, yeah. and what I realized watching this movie was, oh my God, we don't have to get another uh, Spider Man right. origin story. Yeah. Right? They can just they start right in the middle. Totally mock so, that whole that whole idea. They're they're they agree with us. Yeah, and so that, by the way, that, that's feeding exactly into what you're talking about, Ding. It's like, I want to see Tom Holland play Spider-Man, and I don't need to be told that he got bit by a spider anymore. I don't need a whole right. story. Whole story. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. And I was nervous yeah. about him coming into this, because I, I thought he was too uh, light comic booky, but he... he he grounds yeah, it perfect. in perfectly, and you know, a, we have we have a listener, Robert Perry Cruz, who totally agrees that Tom Holland was awesome in this, but um, but both Robert and uh, and Grant Stewart also have this thing about franchise fatigue, and I wonder if that's kind of what you're dealing with, Tom. Well, I don't know fatigue because it. it, uh, it it's it's not fatigue because with the Avengers I had the same right. fear. And we, did you mention things? How are they going to pull all this together? Uh, I'll take more from any franchise if I feel that there's a, a good message behind it, or good writing, or good direction. Um, so I'm not necessarily tired of Marvel. Like I, I'd love to see. Like I said, I'm super psyched to see a Spider-Man movie with Tom Holland. I have no fatigue there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sorry. So go ahead. What what what, what were they? No, no, no that's it. I mean, and okay. uh, basically, I mean, we had three listeners write in this week. The other one would be Chris Markinson. Um He really likes Spider-Man as well, but they were all kind of like okay with it. Uh, Chris saw it twice, and they were all just basically kind of okay with it. I don't think there's anybody's as, as excited as Kelly Wand and I are. Uh, I think they're more on as far as what you're talking about. I mean, there is a bunch of things they liked about it, but I think that at least Robert and uh, Grant are very much like franchise fatigue thing. And when I read that, um, I, I was kind of thinking about how I felt about it as a whole. Right, and as far as like what they're doing in the franchise, I was my favorite parts were the new bits they introduced, like Tom Holland. Uh, I would love to see them do more with this Black Panther character. Uh, I don't know anything about that comic book, but I thought this was great. You know, not not just a, a black character, but an African character. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I liked I liked his his look and the way that they yeah. made him like super quiet and lithe, lithe, lithe. Have you seen every Yeah, lithe. Do you know uh, Chadwick Boseman? Have you seen him in there? No, oh, that's what that name was. Because when his name flashed up in the credits, I was like, "Which one was that? Why do I know that name?" He was in he was in forty two. He was in Draft Day. I don't know. I've never seen him in anything. I don't think. Maybe I've just heard his. Oh name. no! Why do you he know that name? name? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, I don't remember him from anything. I, I just I just know I just 
his name is one of those names that kind of just sort of clicks in your head. Chadwick Boseman clicks. Right, right. Um, but I've never seen him in anything. Um, but, you know, as soon as my son saw him on stage, not on stage, sorry, uh, up there with his father, he's like, oh, that's going to be Black Panther. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Uh, what? Oh, my God. Your son would be in so much trouble with me if he'd spoiled mm-hmm. that. Oh, my God. Uh, Kelly Wan, you might know this. Who was Frank Grillo's character? That wasn't the Punisher, was it? The Russian guy? No, no Frank, Frank Grillo. Grillo, the guy who got who got burned up and who was leading the, oh, the that's terrorist the crossbones. Yeah. Ew, crossbones. Okay. I'm making sure that Brock Brumlow, Brock Brumlow, <laughs> Brock Brumlow, and I'm like Brock Brumlow. Do you mean Frank Grillo? Because they sound similar. Why do you keep saying Brock Brumlow? But he knew who that guy was. Yeah, he's after my time. But but we both love Winter Soldier. And so, yeah. so I the see, Brock yeah. Rumlow character that he showed back up again was a total surprise to me. Are we supposed to think he died in Winter? At least wasn't they? The, didn't wasn't there the big thing where the building was collapsing and they're running out of it? And was he supposed to die? In yeah, Winter yeah, because Soldier? he goes up against okay. Falcon, or and and he gets like knocked out of the building, and then Falcon uh, runs out and jumps to the helicopter. Okay, right, right. Um, mm. Interesting. <laughs> See, it's like it, it uh, presages uh, Rhodey's paralysis. Oh, is that for, so? Is that the idea? Like we're supposed to like Rhodey got paralyzed. That's another thing. Right. It's like when you yeah. put on the suit, aren't you kind of like, you know, you're gonna get. You, there's always a possibility of getting hurt, but it's like Tony's like, oh, someone got hurt in the fight with superheroes. Fuck, fuck those guys. And that's the sort of thing that that really just. It, it's a lot of what killed it for me. Is that kind of stuff. kind of like, whining? What, what, what were you guys thinking was gonna? Happen? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got off easy, really. And even so, and, they tried to and this is why this is kind of why I compare it to Batman versus Superman. The fact that so Tony Stark finds out. First of all, I like Daniel Bruhl. I like watching. Oh man, him. I did. I loved uh, him. And this is another one that Karen's like, "Hey, that's Zemo." I'm like Zemo, what yeah. are you talking? Oh, because well, I was thinking of that there's, there's like a, a drink, like a lime Zima. <laughs> it's Zima yeah, where you put in cheap. like one of the. Uh, uh, yeah, so so Zemo is something. Ew, cause, okay, because I didn't. Zima. But anyway, I like. And apparently, I, he always like wears that. purple. Oh no, he didn't. There's <laughs> a cool guy named Modok. You should look at a picture of Modok. I know who Modok oh, is because he's in fighting games. Yeah, from Marvel. Got a flat head and he you put Jolly Ranchers in Zemo. Uh, oh. uh, I don't. So yeah. I, oh right, right. Uh, so I liked Daniel Bruhl. I liked um, that it was a fake out. This idea that oh we're gonna have a yeah. death elite death squad because that I was thinking really yeah that was awesome. But then I liked that it was a reveal. But what I didn't like. So Bucky gets brainwashed and Tony Stark knows it. He makes the Manchurian Candidate joke. We're all oh. thinking once he finds out <laughs> that Bucky killed his parents. Like he doesn't understand that it's the brainwashing that did it. How 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 contrived is that? To, that to me, Man, it's Marvel Universe. Was, that was as no. That to me was exactly on the same level as why did you say that name? Yeah. As the whole turning point in Batman versus Superman. They have the same name. Oh, they're going to get along. This right here. Bucky killed his parents while he was programmed to do so, and he had no control over what he was doing. Oh, now Tony Stark has to kill Bucky. I could buy even this idea that, that we're going to disagree about whether or not you should register with the government. Fine. Although, I don't think there's any question about that. We'll get to that in a minute. Hmm. Um, but that whole thing, that, that last fight between Captain America and Iron Man, I didn't feel it earned it at all. And that's sad because it should. Like, that should be the point. Yeah. If we're going to throw out this idea 
of the, the MacGuffin being a Winter Soldier Death Squad, it should be replaced with something really cool, and I was ready for that. And I, I it just lost a lot of goodwill from me. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I have to agree with you. Chris Markinson agrees with you, too. The, especially, he says that Barnes, was, Barnes killed Stark. Stark's parents, and it just happened to be on a road where there was a video camera in operation, and that piece of video footage was yeah. saved and got yeah. into Zemo's hands. Um, it, it just felt like they'd already earned – they've gone past that point. We've already gone past that yeah. point. They've already, and, then, yeah, they've already- and then we've got another one of these moments that's very much similar to, although it's a villain, you know – uh, I'm I'm the Joker and I'm the one who killed your parents and ha ha ha. Yep, it, exactly. It, but it's it's is it supposed to be a twist because he's a hero as well? And then now I'm just going to beat you up because this this man who was my father who I never had a relationship with anyway. And then this weird creepy flashback Ted speak, speech that he gives. Um, it, yeah, <laughs> none of that. You're absolutely right, Tom. That that part of it. Where that this is why we're all going to be actually fighting each other again, yeah, I'm with you on that. That really felt like a letdown. But isn't he? And, and the line from it, he even says at one point, and I kind of like how this ties in with what you pointed out about his relationship with his dad. He even says he killed my mom. I don't care. Yeah, like, yeah. that's his whole. Wait, that's his like driving motivation. Let me just say, yeah. and I don't yes. disagree with you, but also he is sort of brainwashed too because he's broken up over Gwyneth, so he's on a cold streak and making dumb decisions and he's broken up about Rhodey, so he's not thinking clearly. He's in Marvel Universe Hulk mode. So oh, is he still like... The he's p- out of his head. The, the post-traumatic stress disorder from the third movie? Yeah. Alright, I, I can kind of accept that, but... But he's acting so weirdly at that point. He I mean, is, he's, but he's, he's act- made a choice. Right. See, but it's like Bucky's brainwashed, so it's not his fault. But Iron Man's got psychological trauma, so it's not his fault either. So, it, and it, yeah. and also the implication is that afterwards they cool off and like, all right, I'm not gonna like. He doesn't act like he's gonna chase Bucky to the ends of the earth. It's like, all right, fine. I'm not friends with Captain America anymore. Fuck him. <laughs> so, Kelly, one, if, if that's the implication that he was doing it out of the same PTSD that was a, a central character point in Iron Man three, it was very poorly handled. Yeah, it's still if that's what they were trying to go for. It is still yeah. kind of. Why did you say that name? I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you could. What are you gonna do? Well, here's why that bothers me. The, the most interesting things in these movies isn't who's punching whom. It's about decisions. And th- this, by the way. This, this is classic drama because I sort of see, and this is nothing. This is no new observation from me. This isn't that far removed from the way Greek drama existed with the gods yeah, yeah, uh, being yeah. part of the being part of the action. Here, these are superheroes. They're they're like gods. They meddle in human affairs, and what's important isn't necessarily what their powers are. It's what decisions they make, and that is the genius, by the way, of Dark Knight. Is that Christopher Nolan and Jonathan Nolan? They made a story about characters making decisions. And by the way, not just the superheroes. You know, I think, Kelly Wan, you're the one that pointed out Batman doesn't save the people of Gotham. The people of Gotham save themselves by making the right decision in that fairy dilemma. Uh, And decisions are huge. That's what I love about the end of Constantine. You know, Mm -hmm. there are conversations, there are decisions. Uh, The decisions here were forced, that whole, I'm going to decide to kill him anyway because he killed my parents, or... Let's decide whether or not to register with the government. To me, the most interesting dramatic moment in this movie was a decision, and there should have been more of these. And that was uh, Black Widow's choice to let uh, Chris Evans escape. Like, that was the most, to me, the most dramatic, interesting moment of the movie. Like, if the movie had had 
you know, three more of those, I probably would have been on board with it. Um, but I love that moment because yeah. it's, it's not about what she can do. It's about why she's doing what she can do. It's about why she has decided something. And, and I, I, I loved that moment. Some and I, I wanted more of that. But also, too, Tony is on a – he's made other – like he made Ultron, so he might be traumatized from it. Like he's making a lot of bad decisions. And so that's, what, that's true of some of those Greek – as well. So oh no, no, absolutely. Because the point of the Greek myths is that yeah, is that uh, it's about the yeah, pettiness of human nature right. so, that the gods. And so him right. choosing, but again, I don't, I don't think, I don't think the movie's doing that. By the well, way, I don't. Think we're supposed to think <laughs> that he's broken up and acting out of a broken heart or post traumatic stress. Since disorder. it's the end of the movie, though, you can read it that way for now until it's broken later. The way he blew up all his suits and that wound but, up being irrelevant. But, but I think it is. But, but I again, I think this is part of a of an overarching whole. And that's why I love the things that are, that Tom is saying. And I agree with them. I just don't think they're resolved here. And one of the things I love that Tom just said that, about that whole Wanda and, and, and vision thing is how it's set up by, uh, you know, when vision and I didn't, I had no idea until Kelly made a joke about it that I didn't know that vision and Wanda had a thing. I didn't either. Um, right. Cause that's when, from the comments. Yeah, I don't, they were, Okay, because I didn't see it I, had, in the movie. I didn't see it either, but when, when he comes walking through the wall and she says, Viz, we talked about this. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, the door was open, so I just thought. Um, I think that's, that could be a throwaway joke, but I think it's more about – I think it's, it's, it's a larger statement on the other, the other elements and themes of the movie. This whole thing about security and privacy having to somehow achieve balance or maybe security and safety having to achieve balance. These are things that we have been dealing with in this country for years now. This whole idea about are we going to sacrifice privacy in order to gain security? How do we get that balance? And I, I think that's not just a throwaway joke. There's, a, there's something to be said about what they then talk about in this argument about correlation and causality. And those things aren't throwaways. I think they are part of a larger element. And, uh, you know, I, I get a little weary about this whole like, well, we have to get rid of all the superheroes. It's like the the beginning of The Incredibles. Let's just get rid of all the superheroes, get them all to sign an agreement, and then go away for a while. Um, but I but I think it's a part of an an overarching idea about how we deal with national security and how we're dealing with it now. Not only as a nation, but as a globe. How, how do we deal with security? How do we handle those things? In that moment where where Vision comes walking through the wall and 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 Wanda makes that offhand comment, I think is part of that. Do you think the movie has an opinion on this, Dingus? On this, like it has a perspective? I, I don't know that it's making the opinion yet. I, I think it's again. I think this is a larger story. I, again, I think it's it it's it's somebody and a group of people maybe who have this whole like long form idea of where this story is going and it might take a lot of different branches um but i don't know that it makes a decision about that based on where it gets at the end that whole Uh airport thing and what captain america says at the very end of it um i think you're supposed to pick a side and tom is on team cap (laughs) no (laughs) well i agree with dingus in that i don't think the movie well uh dingus you didn't say this but I, I don't think the movie picks one side or the other. It's definitely right. trying to like you decide. Uh, but I think the, the I think well, I think the dilemma is, is presenting is utterly retarded. Uh, uh-huh. Like who? Well, no, the movie actually so, says there's a line. How long are you going to play both sides? I think that the movie is telling us that 
this is what is going on. You're not allowed. We're not sure which side is right yet. We don't know. That hasn't played out. See, I, and I don't think that's I, retarded. So, I think that's purposeful. Here's what's retarded. Do you guys think that a police force without oversight is a good idea? Because that's the dilemma printed here. Uh, no, I here. don't think that's the dilemma printed here. And no, I don't think that's right. So then they should have oversight, and you're on Tony Stark's side, right? No, I don't, I don't think that Tony Stark's side is necessarily right, but that doesn't mean a police force shouldn't have oversight. And then that's well, not that's what Captain what, America is saying what, either, that he shouldn't have oversight. That's exactly what he's no, saying. He's saying not that he should exist without any oversight, that they should be able to do what they want when they want to do it based on their own principles. No. Then I misunderstood the movie. What is he saying? He's not, he's not saying that the police force should have no oversight. He's saying that the oversight that they are subscribing to is basically internment. And that isn't what they should have. But that's not the issue that's presented that to is them. The I mean, issue that's what it presents. That when they actual break the line law. is said, this is internment. Well, Jake is right. If the police break the law, they go to jail as well. That's right. what I but mean. But you don't get to say, the police. policemen, you get to not be policemen anymore. Yeah, you do. You can fire the cops. No, no. You, you, but we don't get all the policemen to sign a paper saying you guys don't get to uh, do, poli- do policemen stuff anymore. You guys just go stand yes, over there. No, yes, we do. You hire a police force. They have oversight. Laws regulate them. They exist within the legal framework of our nation. Right. These guys want to be a borderless vigilante group. And it's the stuff of comic books, by the way. It's it's, it's idealism from comic books. And when you present it in a real-world situation, I think it completely falls apart. Right. You don't want people – you don't want people with these powers having no oversight. That's why I think it's a re- retarded. I'm, I'm obviously being dismissive. But that's why I don't think that there is a, a serious dilemma being presented here. If you were to have people with that level of power, you don't let them do whatever they want to do. You put them under UN or American regulations. You give them some sort of government oversight. They don't get to exist outside the law. And, and that, I think, is what the dilemma is being presented. And I'm, again, maybe I'm misunderstanding well, it, but that's what I got from the Well, movie. all of that, again, presupposes the idea that there's no villains in the world. And so, again, over and over again in these movies, and this is what's annoying, is that they are constantly – the heroes are constantly being asked, you have to, you have to uh, make amends for all of this damage that has happened – Based on what Loki has done, based on what these villains have right. done, and that and that Which is again, not I think it's their super fault. Retarded. So okay, fine. Right, right. We'll just stand back and we'll let Loki take over the world. Right, because exactly this is that's the thing. Thing is, is this whole dilemma is stupid from the get go because okay, there's and that's why I say it's about collateral damage. There's this terrible thing is happening to New York. They stopped it. They right. minimized right. the damage. If they had not been there, it would have been so much worse. Right. That does not, by the way preclude them being regulated by le- a legal framework. Well, fine, but the, them working the argument, in the context of an agent. Okay. So I, I, I think it's a false dilemma all along, and I think when you look at both sides of it, I don't think anybody believes that there should be a police force or a vigilante squad that has no oversight whatsoever. Well, certainly, but the, the fact that they should, they should be regulated based on the fact that they have caused the deaths of certain people because they were stopping evil from happening right. is a spurious argument, and that's what I the agree. movie is yep. setting up. And I agree. I agree, and that's why that's part of why I think it's stupid. They should right. be regulated regardless of that. <laughs> and that if it, this is what calls into question they should be regulated, I think is ridiculous. Well, fair enough, but the, uh, the, the fact is that they can't be regulated, so we rely upon their goodwill. Why? Why? No, no, why? I mean, why, why can't they concede? Yeah, why can't they submit themselves? Because they the would army, have to submit. Way, that's how they're regulated. Yeah. 
them submitting. Well, the army, by the way, I think it's, I think it's the military force of, of a nation can completely over, and that's what a military coup is, can completely override that nation's infrastructure and take control. Right. But they have a contractual agreement with the government that the government, we in the United States, we get to tell the army what to do. Even though the army is more powerful than everybody in Washington, D.C. combined, they agree, yes, we are under your oversight. You, the government, the civilian government controls us, the military. Because otherwise, you have a military a, a, a junta, basically. Uh, so, and, and again, maybe I'm just being, maybe I'm misunderstanding it, but the whole Captain America side of this, that we're not going to sign an agreement subjecting ourselves to any legal framework, I think it's retarded. No, it's not retarded. And stop using that, please. It's not that. It's <sighs> that he's not going to rely on this particular framework. Well, which framework will he, will he allow himself to be subjected to? The framework to? in which he was created, and that is, that is what he is already <laughs> relying upon. He already has a framework. He already has a framework, that a moral framework that he is operating with. No, no, not a moral framework, a legal framework, not moral. It's, it's a legal framework. The government no, – it's, it's not at all a moral thing. You know, and that's the thing. thing is, is once you say it's a moral framework, you're capable of doing all sorts of weird things. Okay. It depends on like whether the, you trust well, your gods or not. And these are gods. So, so you well, can saying, get the sign whatever by you way, they want, can. but Thor's going to do whatever he wants. So you, we have to rely upon their goodwill. That is what having superheroes means. Is that we that they do whatever they want, regardless of what we say? Yes, because we cannot stop them. They are gods. That's the idea of these movies. So this whole idea that we're going to side some accord and then just decide not to kick people. Well, then I don't see how that has any contemporary relevance to, to politics or the state of the it world. It has a huge contemporary relevance because of our ability as a superpower power in the United States to dominate the world if we want. Which is held in check by laws, by a government. Right, because we choose to follow those laws. And, and are you saying thing is that we shouldn't follow no, those laws? No, no, no. I'm saying that, because I'm saying that point Captain of the America is an analogy to that, that he chooses to follow the laws that he thinks is right, and we have to either trust that or not. I mean, it's, it's obviously a fictional framework, but it's the same deal. I mean, who's going to get the United States to sign something? And then we have it's to. UN. Do the point of the movie is that it's the UN. They point out in the movie that's UN that, that there's a UN body blown. that over. Yeah. That what? That then gets blown up. Yeah. I don't think the whole UN gets blown up. I mean, there's still going to be. Uh, that, that's the point. If, if, oh. if uh, the White House got. If the police headquarters get blown up, the police don't stop existing. Right. So the idea, Dingus, that we have these superheroes. They can do whatever they want, that we can't control them. You think that's a good idea. Okay. I think that what is being what, – what the analogy is, that the, the contemporary relevance is what do you do with power, like with right. police power, with military power. What you do is you subject it to a legal framework because when it exists outside the framework of a government, of, of, a, of a legal structure – then it, it just does whatever it wants. It's, it's no different from a supervillain, by the way. Like this idea of a supervillain, that's the whole point of supervillains, is they've got a superpower, and they just do whatever they want whenever they right. want. So good guys have to go in and stop them. So what the good guys are now saying in this movie, to me, it's what I'm hearing, is that they shouldn't have any oversight whatsoever. And I think that's like saying, do you want a police force? You know, Somebody policing, making moral decisions about who should be stopped from what actions you know who do you arrest who do you uh you, you know who do you, what crimes do you prevent 
uh, that that the people doing that should have no no legal uh, oversight. That's ridiculous to me. Well, Iron Man's not saying that. He agrees with you. So you're on Team Iron Man. Well, no, no, right, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Is the whole the whole idea that it's even a dilemma is ridiculous to me. I think it's a retarded dilemma. Is do we have a police with no oversight, or do we have a police with? But it's oversight? complicated. That's not a dilemma. I, That's terrible. But well, it's his personal issues with Bucky and the, the document. Well, and the fact that the written. entire government was infiltrated by Hydra, so the whole right. legal structure that we're talking about is sort of moot at that point. Dingus, our government was run by the neoconservative administration. Does our is our government moot? <laughs> of course not. Wait, what? What just happened? He's saying that uh, Hydra, Shield was infiltrated by Hydra, which yeah. is what not just Shield, but the entire government structure. The entire government, which right, right, which uh, so, then, yeah, the, so that then doesn't mean that doesn't mean by, the way, by that. I can't believe we're having that. No, he should be regulated by the UN, which is what suggested <laughs> in the UN. Movie. All right, but so at any rate, Dingus is all Dingus is clearly Team on Captain, uh, Captain America. I am. Uh, Team Iron Man, Kelly Wan, you now must decide, then we'll do some over-unders. Where do you fall? Mm, I think it's a... I think Cap... Here's the thing. I think Iron Man should have to sign it because he made Ultron, but Captain America hasn't committed any actual offenses yet, and he's trying to operate within the law for the most part. And he's go. he's going, I'm not going to sign it, so I'm not going to be part of the Avengers. He's not like... I don't see you picking a side of the airport to stand on, Kelly Wand. You need to stand on one side or the other. Mm. There's no standing in the middle. Yeah. You're just gonna How long are you going to play both sides? All right, I'm on Team Cap because Iron Man's out of his head, and he's doing it for a lady. I'm going with Paltrow. All right, so it's two to one on this podcast. I'm the, uh, I'm, I'm the odd man out. But uh, what else over on there? Well, ahead. you're not wrong. <laughs> Does that help? Thank you so much. Uh, I, I can't believe that you guys believe that this is a, a valid question, that this is a valid dilemma being presented. Well, it's a comic book I'm, movie, and so the, it's sort of rigged in so many ways that I'm not, I don't take it very seriously. What do you mean like, you can't I believe it? The, don't be dismissive of us. What do you mean you can't believe that? I can't, I can't believe that you're arguing for uh, for police without oversight, because that's, that's, that's not what we're arguing about. It's a, we're arguing about this particular movie. I'm arguing about superheroes. Super right. the, the message of this movie is, should people who enforce laws with their power, right, because isn't that what they're doing, should they have oversight? No, is what Captain America says. Did, yes. If they, have, if they have the right oversight, yes. If they have lousy oversight, no. What's the what, what don't you understand about that? If if you have a crappy government that is providing oversight, should you have that oversight of the crappy government that is corrupt? Pays them paychecks. Wait, so the U.S. government is corrupt in in, in the They're world? They're infiltrated of, by Hydra in these movies. No, 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 no. In the world of Cap- in the world of Ca- uh, Captain America: Civil War, is the U.S. government corrupt? Maybe we don't know. It didn't come up, did. strangely. In the Hydra was defeated. I mean, I think we're supposed to think in this world, we're not supposed to think that Tony Stark, I mean, that Captain America doesn't want to sign because the American government is corrupt. Also, I don't be doing it. it. Just because he's got ego? Oh, I'll tell you why he's doing it. No, I'll tell you exactly why he's doing it. Bad writing. Hmm. Oh, that's weak. Come on. Because it's contrived. No, it's as contrived right. as... as I, uh, and my and, answer and, is good writing. It's as con- Contrived as Iron Man's, uh, I'm still going to beat you up. You know, I'm still going to kill you because you killed my mom. They're not thinking clearly. They're troubled with their issues. Bucky and uh, Pepper Potts issues. Well, no, no. I mean, what they set it up in the movie. I mean, and, and 
thing that you write, I mean, being dismissive, what they set up in the movie, and I think it's bad writing, what they set up in the movie is that Captain America doesn't want to do it because there's a shoot-to-kill order for Bucky. Right. And he wants to save his friend's right. life. Right. And therefore, therefore, he's breaking the law and will be arrested by the so people So that's not who, bad writing. No, I think it's, it's, it's a forced, it's, it's this very contrived dilemma. Well, it's, yeah. the, here's the thing. The thing, one of the, I, like oh, I said, I, I feel right. It is certainly a contrived dilemma. Yeah, yeah, but Marvel Universe contrivances. There's always like, like one of the things I feel affection for them for is like they're always trying to find some dumbass reason for their characters to fight. Right. So it's like these well, character-based you know, reasons. Let me tell you another contrived dilemma. I think it's a contrived dilemma to have two ferry boats full of people, one prisoners, the other good people. Do they press a button each boat to kill the other one? That's a contrived dilemma. And I feel the movie, I feel Dark Knight sets up this contrivance and has some really cool payoff with it. Um, like, I mean, seriously, that's a kind of a, you know, what would you do if X, Y, and Z, and X, Y, and Z is ridiculous. Uh, and, and Dark Knight takes that very seriously, and I think it has a lot of political or at least social relevance to it. Well, um, that I didn't. I, I felt this was contrived, and just didn't. You said this was social. too serious, too. So you can't have it both ways. Well, it takes itself very seriously. I know. Dark Knight takes itself very seriously, and I feel earns it. Dark Knight is is basically a Greek tragedy. And this is a Marvel um, movie, so you're going to get a bunch of shenanigans. I I think it's a I think it's a Greek uh, a Greek drama, a Greek tragedy, on a much on a much longer scale. And I think that you might be seeing those things that are happening right here and maybe not have social relevance in that he has loyalty for his friend. He has loyalty for Bucky that he will not deviate from. Uh, But I think that will have a payoff longer on down the road. I mean, that's one of the things I love about this. It's like like reading serials. I mean, I feel like I'm reading a serial. Right, but here's what's contrived. So Bucky, by the way, has broken the law and should be arrested. What they have to do in this movie is pretend the German police are just going to outright shoot him. Like, that's what Captain America has to stand against. It's not the normal legal procedure. Bucky's a criminal. We arrest him. Instead, we have to make it, oh, his, Captain America's choice is to let Bucky get killed by the police or to violate the Superhero Registration Act or whatever it's called. Uh, yeah. And that, I feel, is, a, is, a, is just a little too forced. The ferry boat stuff is forced, but I feel it's set up. It has good payoff. In here, it's just, oh, if the German police had simply been told, arrest Bucky on sight, this movie would have been over, right? Yeah. But... Like, I mean, we still would have had tough decisions, but that's sort of the the breaking point for Captain no, America where he comes an outlaw. It's already happened. He's already been arrested. It didn't work. Who got arrested? Bucky. Oh, Bucky yeah. didn't? Then also in Dark Knight, that was, it was all decided, the ferry boat thing, by a guy we'd never met before, and in this we know Bucky, so it's suspenseful. In that. Right. Okay. Well, again, I don't think, though, I mean, when prisoners break out of prison, the, the rule isn't, hey, you just get to shoot them. Uh, <laughs> okay. I mean, Bucky got out. That's what I'm saying. Is if the German police hadn't said shoot Bucky on sight, he would have been rearrested. We would have had to talk it out. I'm thinking Tony Stark would have convinced Captain America. You know what? Let's just go along with it's this. It's not a message of the movie necessarily, though. It's like when Die Hard uh, police chiefs like shoot to kill like John McClane. Like he's a dumbass. It's like well, I don't think the Hard, dumb call. Right. But I don't think Die Hard thinks it has a political message, though. Or, or yeah, well, like I don't think Die Hard takes itself like that seriously as yeah, far yeah. as. And, and that's why I think this thing is is more overarching than that. But that's that's uh, just my take on the movie. I think it's it's a much longer thing. 
I have a question for you guys. If this is a Disney thing, why can't they say Hoth and At-At? That didn't, that didn't stand out for you guys? Well, I thought maybe Peter Parker... He didn't know the name for Hoth, and he didn't know it was oh, called an At-At. No, but the audience won't. <laughs> the audience won't. Oh, come on. Seriously? What, you, I guess we're all nerds, so we hang out in You think football. people know it? If I, you said At-At to a girl... If I if I said Hoth and at at if I set it up with Hoth, wouldn't a girl? Ha- yeah, come on. Three of ten would, and only one who works in the games industry. <laughs> okay. Everyone, every girl who works in the games industry would, and none outside would. Fair Maybe enough. Hoth. Fair enough. But at at, are you crazy? You saying that reminds me that I have been uh, neglecting uh, a couple of our listener things that uh, people have said. Um, uh-huh. uh, Chris uh, Chris Parkinson said. Um, he liked that Zemo didn't wake up the other soldiers to have a big giant fight. Yeah, because that's definitely what you're fig- you're direction. On. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also, how do you, real quick, how do you spell Zemo? Is it like X I M O? Z E M O, according to Chris. Z E M O, like Remo. Yeah. But see, they thought you were gonna. You thought they were gonna doomsday Or is that his name? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Doomsday from Batman vs Superman. Right. And Chris. Chris also thought that William Hurt was Kevin Klein from Rookie in the Flash. <laughs> I actually have to say, I thought William Hurt looked great. I mean, a lot of it was the makeup yeah. and the gray hair. I was like, looking good, William Hurt. Thumbs up. <laughs> and he's from Hulk, right? The second Hulk, maybe? Kevin Klein from Rookie in the Flash. By the way, isn't it really sad that we all know what that yeah, is? Yeah, isn't it? Seriously. <laughs> well, we had to. We were, we're on the clock. Uh, uh, what other comments thing is uh, Just a... The thing about Martin Freeman being underused, that's something that Chris said. Oh, yeah. forgot. Well, and, and the, the lovely Hope Davis as well. That's so yeah, sad. Really I, sad. I saw Hope Davis. Yeah. It, it, felt like, um, it felt like Ashley Judd at the beginning of Olympus Has Fallen. <laughs> Wait a minute. Ouch. Remember yeah. that? She tragic. just falls into the river. <laughs> See? It, the title's a spoiler. Uh, um, uh, if, by the way, uh, so there's a movie called The Nines where I think Hope Davis is so freaking hot and uh, it's insanely distracting. Uh, and by the way, if you – I think a lot of people were taken with Tom Holland, Spider-Man. If you like Tom Holland, he's, he's excellent in a movie called The Impossible. Uh, and this isn't a very good movie, but he's really good in it. There's a movie called Where I Live Now, How I Live is Now. Is the question mark part of the it's, title? <laughs> it's, it's no, it's because it's a declaration. Uh, it's how I live now. Point. It's it's a young adult like post nuclear war thing uh, with Saoirse Ronan. I don't think it's very good, but you can watch it and immediately think you, you appreciate. Man, this Tom Col- Tom Holland kid is good. Uh, it's like a new Sarah. A new Sarah. Michael Sarah. Oh, oh, oh no, he's not. Uh, <laughs> Sarah. Uh, Chris also says this, which I really. Uh, which really freaked me out, too. Um, this is something that he says made him go yeesh. Uh, Captain America was sort of romantically involved with Agent Carter, right? Yeah. Or at least he would have liked to have been. Now he's going after her niece. Yeah. That doesn't seem right. Oh, no, it's great. He's I kissing her niece. What's going no. on? No. Do you guys think that's wrong? Come on. I don't. Exactly. Yeah. It. <laughs> it's a compliment to the older one. And didn't that get set up in the in the movie where she was like living across from him that he was into her and he thought she yeah was, yeah uh, but hi. now that you know that it's your okay it's your girlfriend your dead girlfriend's niece come on Dave right, fair enough we've all been there it takes me back <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just wanted to say that Chris Parkinson also referred to Anthony Mackie as Howard Mackie 
but that he had what? great energy. He really does, though. Because, again, you know what? Com- well, yeah, yeah. Falcon. Uh, was, is, was anybody disappointed in you guys? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Oh, uh, I should say that Robert Perry Cruz said that Chris, he loved Chris Evans. He didn't he, like you, Tom. He did not like this movie at all. But he loved Chris Evans, what he called quiet dignity. Yeah, that's a good word for it. And I just I love watching Chris Evans. I, I think the guy's fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought Downey was disappointing. Is that crazy? Yeah, I could sort of see that. No, no because I don't like serious just... Iron Man. I like fun Iron Man. I know when they when he's constantly yeah. like undermining the tone. Okay. That's kind of his. That's his shtick yeah. in, yeah. in the Avengers movie, and I felt like he he was kind of setting the tone yeah. a little bit too much. Like he was kind of mainstreamed here, which was a little weird to see. Wasn't yeah, it? Isn't well, I guess he could have been wise. Totally weird. You're right, Tom. That's a great way to put it. Mainstream. Yeah, uh, I would have loved to see more of uh, Elizabeth Olsen, though. I mean, I don't think if this movie had been entirely about her, I might have felt that she was underused. Well, just as a character, yeah. like I Scarlet Witch. She's um, tough. She's yeah. A, yeah, and she's a critical Avenger. Because we've we've already established like the the Clint Barlow. What's Hawkeye's name? Clint Barlow. Yeah. Is that right? That sounds wrong. Bar- we've already established like his relationship to uh, Black Widow, and I just wanted us to learn more about uh, Elizabeth Olsen's character. She's in the Vision, and Vision's a clown. And I still, man, I still have no idea what to make of him. I, yeah, when he was talking about the thing on his forehead, I was like, oh yeah, that's one of those like Infinity Gem things that Thanatos wants. He's oh, changed his density, bro. I didn't think about that, and he's like, I don't even know what this yeah. thing does. It was weird. Right, right, yeah. Because it the, it's the, the MacGuffin from at least a couple of the movies, right? It's this mystical stone, and the Guardians of the Galaxy have one of them, don't It's they? a marble thing. There's always a shape, glowy, right. shapey thing. Jewel. Right. <laughs> but It's like the one ring, but there's five of them. But he's a clone in the Marvel comic universe, so it's distracting to me that Iron Man made him in the cinematic. Oh, is he a clone of Iron Man? No. He's his own Who's character, he? and then he turns out to be. There's like a. Maybe is this related to the Civil War too? Like there's a, there's infiltrations of like they find out that certain characters are were like Elektra is all is another one too were replaced by clones or Scroll by Scroll. Sorry, do you know? Do you? Oh, that's a Fantastic Four thing. Yeah, isn't it? you can't have that. There's Fantastic Four, but Fantastic Four, uh, X Men, and the Avengers don't they all? Uh, like, aren't they all separated separated by different licensing deals? Yeah, except in the comics, so they all hang out in the comics. Right, right, right. So I don't think can you actually have Scroll in an Avengers right. movie? And I would I would almost guess no. no. Like, or their enemies, the Cree, Tom. That's like, those are Indians. Those are the Indians from the Revenant. Cree Scroll War, bro. <laughs> <laughs> they are. There was the Cree in the Revenant. All right, you guys give me your over under. So you guys are crazy about this thing. I want some uh, bracketing, Kelly Wand. I mine's a tight bracket. Interesting. All right, we'll hold that thought. Wait, Dingus, not, uh, never mind. Well, hold, hold that thought. Dingus, what are your over-unders? Because you're, you're way better at bracketing. No, I'm not. Kelly. This time, I'm pre- it's a pretty weak bracket, actually. Oh, come on, but you love this. You should be able to snuggle it in tightly in a perfect Good movies well, are harder to bracket. Snuggle. Uh, that word snuggle is so nice. Uh, the under I would put as the uh, as the Star Trek movie. Who directed that? Do oh. you guys remember? Nice. <laughs> uh, actually, I don't. You're talking about a J.J. Abrams. He did all of them, right? No, he did both of both, them. Wait. He did both of all of them. And Star Wars. That's crazy. Yeah, uh, they're all the same. So, Dingus, your that's your over. That's your my own? under. Uh, I I just love that whole uh, that thing. And, and and my over. And you're gonna hate this, Tom, but 
Um, and it's not that tightly bracketed because I'm a huge fan of the Avengers. But I kept writing Avengers, crossing it out, writing something else, crossing it out, writing something else, crossing it out. Um, but Avengers is going to be my over. It's it's not nearly as good as this movie, but I really, really did love this movie. I mean, Avengers it wound up on my list that year. Um, but I, I love the way they were able to um, – uh, the Russo brothers were able to get all of these characters in and give all of them a chance to do something, uh, you know, including Ant-Man, including Black Panther, uh, including Spider-Man, give them all a sense of what they're doing. Even even the fact that and one of our listeners, I can't remember who might have been Chris, I'm not sure which one, um, said something about how weird it was that uh, Scarlet Witch, Elizabeth Olsen char- character, was seemed even more important than... Um, than uh, Scarlett Johansson's character. It was weird that that you got to get all of these different layers of characters in. And again, I think that's more uh, along my my larger idea of how this is a bigger thing. So I would put Avengers over this, uh, uh, although not quite so closely bracketed, and I would put Star Trek because I love the ensemble of it and how that all works together and how it brings together the franchise of this different universe uh, right under it. Into Darkness, you mean, or the first no, no, one? the first one. Okay, uh, you know, I and again, this is just uh, part of why I, I think personally. Well, you remember how cool it was in the Avengers, even though Scarlett Johansson's character doesn't have like superpowers in the conventional world. Right. Uh, how Joss Whedon gave her that awesome moment where she turns things around on Loki, uh, right. where you find out she's really good at interrogation. Um, and I don't think this movie really knew what to do with her beyond this idea of, yeah, I'm with Tony Stark, but okay, I'm going to let Chris Evans go. Right. Um, so, and I, I wished we had seen something. Yeah, and I, I think because Elizabeth Olsen is just crazy magic to do whatever, I'm not sure that, like, what do you do with that? Right. Mm-hmm. I don't, and I don't it know. Has she, not like, just be totally OP. Right, exactly. Like, yeah, like, why doesn't she just, and. And the same with Vision. I mean, I, I'm sure it's a dilemma. Like, they make these characters in a comic book, and then when you... It's like what happens when Superman meets uh, Batman, yeah. right? Like, Superman can do anything. How do you make that interesting? Kryptonite. Uh, and well, what, what then is uh, Scarlet Witch's Kryptonite? Like, Vision? <laughs> yeah, and yeah, Kryptonite is terrible. It's a terrible it's dramatic It's weird device. that there's no mention of her brother at all. Oh! Quicksilver. Oh my god, you're right, Dingus, because I was thinking, oh, Quicksilver... Wait a minute. That's right. Wait, when's the last time we saw him? And he's not killed. And Didn't X-Men he die? One's different. Oh, right. oh he died. He's killed in Ultron. Uh, right, 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 right. That's why. Well, we then, yeah, yeah so that's, that's right. the reason. But still, I mean, he's her twin brother. You would think that somebody would say something. Right, because they talk a lot about like Gwyneth Paltrow being there, and the Hulk is brought up, and Thor even a couple of times. The Nothing dead. about. Yeah, but it's her twin brother. You think that somebody would mention something? Those are twin brothers. Still dead. <laughs> but that, 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 by the way, right? That could have been a character motivation, right? Like they could have done something. No, like they already that, have you know? enough dead characters. There's Iron. Well, that, I, yeah, I just feel like true. they just put they put too much attention on on Black Widow on Scarlett Johansson's character. There, there's just a lot to juggle. So that's true. That's true. If you take a single strand, you'll lose the whole quilt. It's an old saying. Uh, oh. Real quick question. <laughs> yeah. Who who was the Scottish woman talking to Tony Stark? Because I went to the restroom and came back, and suddenly Tony Stark has a Scottish woman in his ear. What was that? He had a Scottish yes, woman in his ta- ear. There's this woman with a Scottish accent. Was talking it Myra to her. McTaggart? 
I don't. I don't know what you're saying. Who is that? She's uh, Professor X's lady friend, which I think she's Irish. So forget that. Um, oh, Sam is Irish. It's is that? Uh, you guys don't know where I'm talking. Wait, about? is it Iron Man's Butler? With the name? That's pulpit. No, 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 no. Uh, the not Jarvis. Fuck. No, it's it's a woman who's talking oh, to. Oh, it's It's Jarvis's replacement because Jarvis. Yeah, yeah. Is Oh, it's a robot. Yeah, okay. Get on it. Yeah, it's just Jarvis. It's the new Jarvis. Okay, that was completely lost on me because I came back and suddenly he's got some... I thought it was like a contact in the, the Scottish police or something. All right. He makes masturbation Yeah, suddenly he's, he's, he's going to be with Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. All right. Kelly Wan, what are your over and under for uh, Captain America Civil War? My under is the Avengers, and I just want to say that... You didn't like that movie as much as uh, we did, though. You're I didn't. I'm the lone... I'm that guy who doesn't like Avengers. <laughs> and then thought they're, the both Avengers movies are interchangeable. Although I do like the one part with Loki where Hulk uh, thrashes him. That part's good. Remember how good Loki was in High Rise, Kelly Wand? Yeah, both times. Doesn't that make you like Avengers? Doesn't that make you like the first Avengers more because he's not in uh, all time? Maybe I should see Avengers again. It's, uh, I've seen it's it once, maybe. and I was like, mm. it's a perfect movie. Okay, well, my over is uh, Winter Soldier, Tom. <laughs> I thought you didn't like what? that. I love it. I love what it's Me and Dingus both right. loved it. It was just me. Uh, here's the thing, the news crawl thing that I noticed. You know, when I'm not into a movie, <laughs> I notice it. Okay, so they take off in the Quimjet, and they fly the Quimjet to, to Siberia, right? And they land. That's what they're called. Quimjet. Marvel. Yep. They get out of the Quimjet, and they're walking into the, the bunker. And in the background, you see the Quimjet with the, the wings folded, yeah, right? Of course. Do you guys know why wings fold on an airplane? I don't know, because they're gifts? They fold because when you're on an aircraft carrier, they have to be stored closely together. Why, when you land the Quimjet, would you fold the wings... When you're out on an open oh, plane. Oh, because of the wind. <sighs> Dingus, they should hire you for, like, a military hardware consultant <laughs> for the next uh, Marvel movie. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, Tom. Uh, I have an announcement to make. Yes, Kelly Wine. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking just now, Tom, that Scarlet Witch should make something hex-related. If- Hex <laughs> I have no idea what just happened. <laughs> I don't either. But it was But I did enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> Can I want you to be a take two of that? I, I wasn't quite sure. Nah, I got it. It's fine. <laughs> All right. Probably speak. Dingus, I love this three by three. Why don't you tell the listeners hex-rated. what is today's hex? Oh, like a witch and a hex, hex-rated. right? <laughs> Not hex related. Oh. One of my favorite witches, Kelly Wand, Sarah Stevens. <laughs> hex rated. Yeah, from a witch. Yeah. Yeah, but she was a, she All right. was a goth witch. Dingus, tell the listeners about this week's 3x3. Three three. What do we got? All right, this is a, was um, 
Ooh! Yeah, we got inspired from... Oh, stop it talking, we're doing dingus. The movie High Dash Rise uh, last week, where a, where a couple of characters were doing a lot of exercising. Um, but one of them was doing a lot of rowing machine exercising, and one of them was had to do some treadmill exercising on a conveyor belt at the supermarket. So I thought of your favorite uh, depictions of exercise in movies, but not it's not sports. This isn't sports related. It's exercise. But dingus, you get exercise when you're doing sports. That's true, but this is not that. <laughs> this is not you playing a football game, or I don't know what Kelly used. I think he used Braveheart or something. Yeah, yeah. Kelly, when, or uh, dingus, when you hit a golf ball right up the middle, you're getting exercise. <laughs> That's true. That's yeah, but golf is not a sport; it's an activity. It's foreplay. <laughs> Uh, before we get into three by three, I just want to—I want to—that was good, Kelly Wand. Uh, I just want to announce to the listeners: Kelly Wand and I rewatched High Rise and both liked it even yeah, more. Totally. Yeah. I good movie. I, Forget I unwatched. I actually unwatched it and liked it even less. <sighs> so, well, it's not for you, Dingus. I think we need yeah, that. Yeah, not, not for Dingus should be the tagline. NFD on the post. Yep, some movies rated NFD. Uh. Yeah. All right, well, Kelly Wand, you're introducing next week's 3x3, three three, so start us off with your third favorite instance of exercise. Not sporting events, Kelly Wand. No shenanigans, because I think the police are out. Yeah, no, this was a great topic, I thought. Okay. So what's your third favorite example? All right, I'm going to do a line from it and the character who does the thing I'm talking about. So you have to guess the movie from whatever I just said. Okay. <clears throat> well, we know it's not a zombie. Man, I don't what? Know. I can just start uh, guessing. Done this line on the podcast. You guys don't listen to it. That's the problem. Yeah, That's we really should start listening. Yeah, it's, we know what's not a zombie. Well, we definitely know it's not a zombie. Well, I doubt it's a zombie. It's something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, one with line approximation. I thought you get it by now. That's why I didn't bother to learn the line correctly. Is it zombie land? Because people who don't oh, run cool. enough. Ah, oh, I'm really surprised. I thought Tom would go, oh, that, and then instantly. Oh, that, yeah. <laughs> That's what you thought I would do. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not Okay, doing. wait, pretend it's Ian Holmes saying it. Oh, alien. Yeah, remember that line where we couldn't... No, I don't remember anyone... Nobody says we know it's not a zombie, an alien. It's when they're dissecting it, the um, husk, and they're like, will it come back from the dead or something? And he's like, well, we doubt it's a zombie. Which What's is also the exercise in, in that, Alien? And also, wait a minute, Dingus. D- Dingus, do you recognize that line from Alien? Nobody says zombie. No, they do. That's why we, we talked about this on the podcast. I think I think that he does the actually whole, say it. Yeah. Man, we talked about it. Wow. Okay, we've done this podcast a lot. I can't remember all like, five. Yeah, because we heard we saw the or someone send us the line or something, and we were like, no, that's definitely not an Alien. And, well, Dingus has a far more pertinent question, which is, you know, what's the exercise in Alien? It's also, keep in mind, an android saying that line. So it's an android program to do a hilarious zombie joke. In we don't like that word android. <laughs> Artificial synth. people. Anyone. He's a synth. Artificial uh, human. Come on. Come on, you guys. Artificial human. Predators can't see him on the whatchamacallit vision. What's the exercise? At the beginning of the movie, when they're getting ready to go on planet LV-420, um, Ash does... 426. <laughs> All right, Pencil Protector. Ash. 
the pronoun. Ash, uh, when they're right before he suits up, Ash does a thing where he like he runs in place and goes like he's practicing his breathing. You don't remember that part? All right, Dingus, what did the police exercise? Yeah. Kelly Wanda, it looks to me like you might be either under arrest or All right, getting this a is my only or one. But to me, it counts as exercise because it's um, it's an android doing it. So he's warming up. Yeah, but he doesn't need to warm up because he's an android, so he's pretending to do it. So it's an exercise, you see. Well, the thing is, he does say his other two are better, All so right, maybe well, there's that. All right. Well, here's one that I uh, thought you might want, Kelly Wand, and I don't. I like that it's it's such a simple gimmick, but it's so effective. It shows us a lot about the person's lifestyle. It shows us a lot about the unique setting. The director obviously appreciated the gimmick. Uh, it's fairly famous. Um, I love the jogging in 2001, ah. where uh, he's spinning the ring. Oh, you know, the good. idea is he's jogging around a ring because of this uh, circum- circumstantial, not circumstantial. What's the gravity called? Circumference? No, shoot. Centrifugal force. Centrifugal. Centrifugal. I had it. Shut up. I had it. I totally had it. What's the circumference of the discovery, Tom? (laughs) The centrifugal force. Uh, He's running along the outside of the the discovery's ring there. Uh, And Kubrick Kubrick just sets it up on a, you know, obviously it's, and you can even kind of tell from the way it's shot, it's just the whole set is turning. Um, but it's the idea. Is that Bowman? Who's the? I don't even Frank remember Poole. the astronaut's name. That's Pool doing the running. Yeah. Wow. Remember? So I just love that bit, and I love how it says, you know, this is outer space. This is what they have to do to keep fit. Uh, and here's a cool gravity trick back in. What's that movie from? 1954. Or whatever. Yeah. And then he yeah. watches a birthday party with his do- about his daughter. Oh yeah, yeah. That's and he watches it really bored. That's better than anything in Stupid Interstellar. You nuts. Oh, nut jobs. Yeah, that's- that's a great one. I wish I'd picked 2010 just to make fun of you. Speaking so of exercise in 2010? Yeah, he goes running down. Um, sorry if I'm. I can't believe that anybody would have picked this, but he's running before he goes into space, and like his son is on this weird little like tri not tricycle, but this weird little tricycle uh, like thing that with a sail on it, like tricycle sailplane thing, where he's like going down with him while he's running and they're talking about the fact that he's going to go in outer space. Oh man. Oh, but it's no it's no it's no like a uh, zero G game. No, no, right? but I love the I okay. love the I love how you evoke that because it's just so slow and plodding. Yeah. And, and that's the thing like a modern audience watching 2001 would be like, "God, cut the scene already." Oh. But that's part of its yeah, charm though. It's just the you know, space being in space and going to Jupiter, it's a drawn out process, so the movie should be uh, cut appropriately. <laughs> it's the first time they Ding. showed something like that, too, where this is what you would actually have to do in space. Like, right, that, rather than just, like, dangling people on wires. Yeah, if you think whatever. about science fiction movies before 2001, there was nothing that remotely realistic. Right. Oh, and with the, the ship models and the effects at the time? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Pre-CG, Kelly Wand? I just call it pre-G. <laughs> <laughs> Pre-graphics. Uh uh, Dingus, what is your third favorite instance of movie exercise? All right, here's a quote from it. Hey, if you're going to take this class, you're going to have to pay for it like the rest of these bitches. Oh, my God. This sounds familiar. Tower heist. Shoot. No, no, no. It's, uh, it's uh, Bridesmaids. Yep. 
Yeah, awesome, Dingus. Nice. You're getting a bridesmaids when they're stealing exercise from Terry Crews. <laughs> Um, I love that scene. I, I love that scene uh, because of where it comes. It's you know after her, uh, you know that horrible night that she has with John Hamm, uh, and this is another one of those times when I just wanted to watch the opening scene of the movie. Ended up watching the whole damn movie because it's such a great movie. Um, and then she and uh, Maya Rudolph end up like stealing exercise from behind a tree, and Terry Crews is screaming at them. And he's got this little class that he's doing in the park. It's a boot camp. It's, yeah, a, boot it's a boot camp. camp. And yeah. he's like, you, you all smell like bacon. I can smell the fat coming off of you. Um, <laughs> and and they obviously know the guy because he yells at them and he says, uh, oh, come on. It's only 12 bucks. Come on, you fucking freeloaders. And they run off and they're like, we're sorry. And they say his name. I forget what his name is, but they say his name and they run off. And then they go to a coffee shop and they're like eating a bunch of pastries and French fries and whatnot. Um, so I just love that that stolen exercise in Bridesmaids. Thing is, how is it fair that for this week's 3x3, three three, you get to watch Bridesmaids, but for last week's 3x3, three three, I had to watch Knocked that's Up. Not, how that's is that fair? really not fair. I totally agree. Kelly Wan, what's your second favorite uh, movie exercise instance? Because um, this one apparently is better than uh, Ian Holm taking a few Yeah, we're over the hump on me. But also, first, I want to read you this exchange. Ripley, for God's sake, this is the first time we've encountered a species like this. It has to go back. All sorts of tests have to be made. Ash, are you kidding? This thing bled acid. Who knows what it's going to do when it's dead? I think it's safe to assume it isn't a zombie. Wow, and it's not like a deleted scene no. or anything. We've, we've awesome. heard that line in our lives dozens of times. Right, right. right. So you know what, Kelly Wand? I think it belies the, the statement you once made that the characters don't know they're in a horror movie. <laughs> At that point, if they're talking about zombies, I think they're, I'm pretty confident they're sure they're in a horror movie. Well, you once said that you about just retroactively canceled one of Kelly Wand's picks. That's right. I need you to go back and make another pick for whatever that was. Don't worry, I always got brain scan in the chamber. <laughs> uh, okay, now here's a quote from my number two pick. <clears throat> wax on, wax off, always look I. Is karate a sport? He's not doing karate there. Well, I guess he is. <laughs> Does that count? Come on, because he's doing exercise, but he doesn't know he's doing exercise. See, he it's thinks kind of like training. It's a training. Oh, I see. What, I see. What? Yeah. That's why he exercise. Oh, oh no, you guys suck. That part's great. That's see, Kelly. What I'm with Dingus in that you're basically talking about something where exercise is a byproduct of it and not the exclusive goal of what you're yeah, doing. He's not really exercising. He's training, and he doesn't even know he's training. He he's actually know he's cleaning training. something. He's but dancing right. and he's waxing. Kelly Wan, that would be if if you were, if the three by three was like your favorite uh, car wash sequences. You're so deep that in the justice apply. system right now. I don't even. know. <laughs> we might not even be able to find you. You're going to be like and justice for all that guy with the tail light, and we can't even find you at some point. My number one's rock solid. All right, I can't wait to hear it. The name of the movie, but also <laughs> that counts. My, right. my second favorite, and you guys are going to. I, this is fair, right? This is. I love the outrageousness of this exercise sequence. It involves the person exercising smacking a tire with a sledgehammer, which is the most ridiculous <laughs> exercise I've ever heard of it. I've never heard of it, especially when it's Bruce Wayne who could afford a set of like Powerflex 
machines or whatever. That's his workout regimen, is to take a sledgehammer and smack a big old truck tire. That's that Zack Snyder uh, visual eye you like so much. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Zack Snyder thinks exercise is, right. And screaming. I forget he screams while he does it. Ah. It is so... It's the most ridiculous, like... It's like a blue collary thing. It's like what would happen in Flashdance or something. One of us. Where you don't have exercise machines. Yeah, right. It shows that Bruce Wayne is really an everyman. Or uh, he's, in that, or he's in the cult from Cobra. That's the other possibility. <laughs> I have never seen that, and it occurs to me. I mean, it's probably uh, great exercise. What, why are you going? Oh, I love the uh, the ridiculousness of that. It's hilarious. Uh, what, and yeah, also, what I love about it is remembering Kelly Wan's um, uh, synopsis, where he's talking about the tire during that part. Yeah, yeah, it's just beating a tire, right? Yeah. I mean, how can you? That's that's one of the few memorable things about Batman vs Superman. I forgot that. Well, you're number two. Oh, my God. What are you talking about? I love that idea. How is that less training than Karate Kid? It's a fucking victory montage. Oh, my God. He's, so he's training to hit a tire with a yeah, hammer? Yeah, he's pretending Superman's a tire. <laughs> he's training against no. a fight with Superman. He also, Kelly Wan, yeah. in that same montage, it shows him dragging the tire. Is he right. also training to drag the tire? That's the exercise part I'll grant you. Is There's no evidence that he doesn't do this every day. What? He plays rock music really loud, probably, while he does it. Whereas, I mean, Daniel Daniel clearly has to wax these cars and sand that floor that one time because of Miyagi. But, you know, Bruce Wayne, he maybe, he fucks around with tires all the time. Why? Because is that a Batmobile tire, and is it flat? Yeah, right, right. It could just be he's repairing the Batmobile. Yeah. Fair enough. Right? He thinks that that's how you fix a tire. It, you just smack it with a hammer. The hammer should have a bat handle. <laughs> All right, Dingus, what is your second favorite instance? And his hair. All right, here's a quote from it. I've never understood why you have a stair machine when we have stairs. I just saw this. That sounds familiar, too. Yeah, that does sound familiar. Is it, shoot, burn after reading? No. It's something recent. Unfortunately, I don't recall anyone. Does anyone ever work out? I know Burn After Reading has a gym, but I don't remember anyone ever actually exercising. Like doing a bunch of weird workout stuff. Oh, does he? Okay. Well, no, and also Clooney's invention. That's not exercise, Kelly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy, I'm not going there. Uh, I don't know, Dingus. This is from a movie called. This is from a movie called A Shock to the System. Oh yeah, Michael Caine. I love that movie. Yeah. Bibbidi boppity boo. Bibbidi boppity boo. Boom. Um, so, uh, Shock to the System, this is from 1990, and so uh, this is his wife um, working out on her Stairmaster machine, um, her wife who is played by Swoozy Kurtz, uh-huh. um, and he's just, he's this, he's this middle-aged guy, he's uh, not, uh, he's just been passed over for a promotion, and he starts to murder people because it just starts to happen for him. Ah, right. And so, uh, the thing is, in their house, in their uh, really nice-looking house, but has terrible wiring in it, um, it, the wiring is failing, and his wife is driving him nuts. He decides he wants to kill her. So he, he, there's this weird thing that happens. I mean, it's really great the way it happens uh, because the over uh, the, uh, the way the stairmaster has um, overpowered the whole grid of the house. It 
causes the lights of the house to go down. He obviously has to go downstairs into this rickety old basement. He has to stand on this thing and hold a, a pipe and then like click on a light. Like that's way across the way. And it shocks him at the beginning of the movie, which seems to like, like give him new life. But, um, but he, he has this whole Jerry rig thing where this is how you turn the lights back on in the house. So he sets up this whole elaborate system where he uh, unscrews the light bulb and puts a new bit of electrical tape on it, teaches her how to turn it back on, and then he goes out of town knowing that she'll have to do this when the lights go back off again when she uses her Stairmaster machine. So it's that using the Stairmaster machine as a use of a murder device. Uh, and uh, I really love this movie so much. Uh, Shock to the System, I think, is a really great black comedy. It's got some problems, but it's got great cast. Michael Caine, Susie Kurtz is in it. Peter Riegert is in it. I mean, it's really, really great, really great movie. And I've used it before, I think, for an explosion because of the sailboat explosion that he that he rigs. Um, uh, but... Also, what I totally forgot is that Will Patton is in it playing this w- weird version of Columbo, of Peter Falk as Columbo. It's like, I just have one more question kind of a thing that he's doing. And Will Patton is great in that. Uh, but, it, but the exercise in particular is, is her working on the machine and him going, I've never understood why you have to have a stair machine when you have stairs. She's like, well, the stairs go up and down. I need to keep going up. So here, thing is, then I I, won't, I might want to change one of my picks because there's one that I didn't pick. I'm gonna go ahead and bring it up because nobody's gonna pick this. Uh, where it wasn't the exercise itself; it was a murder that resulted from the exercise. So I didn't pick it, but there's a great kill in a movie called Happy Birthday to Me, uh. where there's a guy who's weightlifting, and the killer. At this point, I don't think we know it's Melissa Sue Anderson. Uh, an anonymous killer comes in, and while he's got the he's at the weight bench and he's got the weights full extend fully extended above him, she's putting on more weights, and he can't hold it up long enough, and she keeps putting on more weights, and eventually, and this isn't how a weight bench works, of course, it all just drops straight back down on his neck and breaks his neck. <laughs> um, so the exercise itself, but I just remember that that kill freaking me out as a kid. There's a Final Destination one where the, the weightlifter. Oh yeah, his arms been backwards, right? No, I thought the weights slam. Inwards and crush his head. It's the black dude. He's all woo. It's one of those. Long- oh no, no, you're right. It's a machine. Yeah. It's like a flex machine thing. Yeah, yeah. It's not a free weight steal. Right, right. It's when you realize it's also a shark jump final final destination moment because he's like super dumb and loud, like right before and like really careless. Like, yeah, I'm the best. I'm never gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> woo. He's going woo. I think even like uh, Tyrese in Fast Five. But yeah, good one. Uh, Thing is, do we know who who directed a shock to the system? Anyone uh, note? It's not anybody of note. His name is Jan Eggleston, okay. or Jan Eggleston. Right. Um, I don't, you know, he hasn't really done anything else. Uh, he did like Lemon Sky, I think, is the only thing that anybody might know. Mm, I've only seen the Tom Cruise one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this, this, we have many different flavors. This is the Sky. Kevin Bacon flavor. <laughs> Kelly Wan, you promised this one would be rock solid. What is your favorite instance of exercise in a Okay, movie? I'm going to do a line from it, but I don't remember the line exactly, so it's an approximation. <clears throat> Only a swimming pool makes me breakable. All right, explain The weightlifting scene from... Oh, oh, no, no, I thought you were going to talk about... Uh, right, right, talking right, about unbreakable. 
Yeah. Right, I thought he was going to something Sam Jackson did, but Sam Jackson is the glass one. Mr. Glass. Bruce Willis is the non-breakable one. Okay. Yeah. So I'm talking about Bruce Willis. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, Dingus. We, yeah, I think Dingus. It's kind of the best scene in the movie. And in oh, fact, when, he's, when he like, keeps getting him to put more weight on. Yeah, he yeah. Knows he's right. kind of bonding with his kid. Kind of so one joke. scene where you kind of like the kid because the kid's just like fucking this. Is, it's like the best day of the kid's life, kind of. Poor, poor Spencer Michael Treat or whatever his name was. But it's also setting up the kid's downfall because he's like watching your dad lift impossible weight makes you want to. And he's trying to be safety conscious, and you're like, never do this, by the way. <laughs> but then the next scene is the kid gets beaten up at school because he's not unbreakable. But it's like the weightlifting, like, he was just like, ugh. But he's kind of a pussy. Do you guys remember what movie he got brutally murdered in, that kid? Uh, California Sweet. I think he was in that. Neil Simon? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, what? <laughs> just a guess. Just trying to fit in. Uh uh, Ashley Bell murders him in Last Exorcism Part 2. Which, Who was he in that? You know, he was the boyfriend. Like, he's the one before, you know, uh, Izuzu or whatever his name is takes her over. Uh, she's she's dating him. Like, she's into him. And then Pazuzu takes her or whatever and makes her kill him. And the poor guy. Like, he's just met some cool chick, Ashley Bell. They're going out, and then she shows up and, and murders him because she's taken over by a demon. Doesn't she go, like... Doesn't he throw rocks at her window? And she's all, Scott. No, that's a horrible moment. Mm. Poor Spencer Michael Treat. I think that's his name. All right. I'm going to give you guys a line from my favorite example of exercise in a movie. This is immediately what I thought of uh, when you mentioned this topic, Dingus. (laughs) Here's the line. Even though I think this is a fucked place to exercise, I do it to spite them. Who? Everybody. (laughs) Here's another line from it. You're so special. It's a little obscure. Uh, this movie opens with Jason Patrick. It looks like he's having oh, sex, mm-hmm. and he's all sweaty. And he's leaning over the camera, presumably like telling some woman that he's having sex with, how he feels special when he's inside her and how she really means a lot to him. Uh, and then when the camera pulls back, uh, and Neil debuts your friends and neighbors, you find out he's alone, and he's taping himself, trying to sound authentic, expressing this interest in women who he's having sex with. Uh, He's covered in sweat, uh, and and you actually, before the the, the picture comes up in a blackout, you hear him say, okay, pretend you've been turned over and a couple of guys are holding you down. Then the the picture comes up, and it shows him doing this whole ritual, doing the recording, and then later, he relates that the best sex he ever had was beating up and sodomizing a kid in school. Timmy Carter, he's got this monologue. And you realize, putting it together, this is sex to him, is sodomizing this boy that he, that he bullied in school. Um, and the exercise moment, because everything you find out about Jason Patrick's character in Your Friends and Neighbors is utterly repugnant. He's a horrible, horrible person. All, all of the characters in the movie are in various ways. Uh, but later you find out in the movie, when he works out, he listens to the tape of himself. Oh my gosh! There's, this, there's, a, there's, he's doing sit-ups, listening to that tape that he made on a Sony Walkman on a cassette, uh-huh. which is just like that is just so per- like weird and perverted, like listening to this tape he made of lying to women about how they make him feel special when he's really recalling the rape of a kid when he was a kid, uh, and that that's what he listens to when he works out. That um, beats my pick. I, 
I just love how <laughs> twisted that movie is. I love how dark Neil LeBute goes with, with everyone in, in that I just movie. did a callback. You didn't even notice. I'm upset. You said that that Trump beats your yeah. pick? How's that a callback? Because that's what he says after Ben Stiller. Oh, my God. You're right, Kelly Wand. Very good. That's, that's a, a, that's a... Had. It's your wife. And then he wants yeah. that. After. Very good. Yeah, that's uh, Aaron Eckhart's uh, line. No, it's Ben Stiller's line too, Aaron Eckhart. And then Patrick goes... That beats my pick. Uh, right. So the sodomizing story was less good after, and that monologue than Ben Stiller's parting shot. So that's a great line. <laughs> I love that movie. It cheers me it up is, in a yeah. weird way. That's a great character. He should have It really is, yeah. Uh, there's a horror movie that comes out next month, which isn't really any good, but there's an actress I really like named Louisa Krauss in it, and Jason Patrick is in it. And it's the most contrived setup... Did- uh, and it's a terrible, it's called The Abandoned. It's a terrible, like, haunted house movie. But the setup is that this young woman, she needs a job, so she gets a job as a security guard late at night in this building, and the other security guard working there is Jason Patrick. Um, and he just hates her being there. He doesn't want her to have the job. Uh, and the best scenes in the movie are them just sort of snipping at each other. Uh, I, I love Jason Patrick. I miss that guy. I wish he would do more stuff. It's like that of a name. Very good. Wow, Kelly yeah. Wand. Look at you. He's my role model. Remember how good he was as the villain in The Losers? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm actually being facetious when I say that. Remember Narc? Remember of yeah. course. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you don't need to go uh, there. Who, uh, who directed Narc, Kelly Wand? Remember Lost Boys? Uh, yeah, uh, that's right. Sh- Kelly Wand. He was Jim Morris in the Lost gray. Boys. You love oh. the gray. Love the gray. Winterbottom? Joe Carnahan, the director of Winter The Gray, did not. That other guy, yeah, the American one. All right, Dingus, over to you. What is your favorite instance of exercise in a movie? Uh, speaking of Winterbottom, um, here's a quote from it on your left. Oh, 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 jeez, Dingus. What? So I was looking through my movies uh, today, and I saw this on the shelf, and I was like, ooh, I own that. Like, do you guys have movies in your DVD collection that someone, like, gave you to punk you? Wait, you have this? If it's a movie I'm thinking of. What movie do you have that you think I'm thinking of? Spanglish? Why is that in the trash? Oh, good lord. (laughs) Because it's it's Tia Leone running in Spanglish, right? No. What are you talking about? She's jogging, and any time she comes up to someone, she's, like, on your left, and she goes around them. All right, well, this must be riffing on that, then feels much worse picking it up. Well, it's what people do when they run. It's, like, annoying. Like, when you're jogging and you hear some guy behind you, on your left. Yeah, it's a joke yeah. from that. So, and he's like, don't say that again. It's not on your sp- last. Things you're not picking Spanglish for the 3 by 3 Surprisingly enough, no. And you just made me admit that I own a copy of it. Thanks. Yeah. I wonder who got that for you. <laughs> um, sure. uh, another quote from it. Well, if it isn't The Running Man. The Running Man? No. It's from a movie called Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and it's from the beginning of the movie um, when uh, Captain America is jogging around the reflecting pool uh, um, in Washington, D.C., and he keeps passing who will eventually become Falcon. And he keeps going past him on your left, and then he comes back again super fast on your left. Oh, yeah. And then he's like, don't, don't say it again. Anthony Mackie's like, don't. Don't do that. And then eventually, like, they both wind up uh, sitting down. And he's like, you ran 13 miles in 30 minutes. 
Um, and then, of course, uh, Sky, Black Widow comes to pick him up, and he's like, well, you can't run everywhere. And he gets back into the car with her. And I just uh, love that. I mean, this is one of those moments where it's it's just uh, – it, it was it, – there's – there's another moment, you know, of course, the the famous moment where um, where Captain America, uh, where Steve Rogers is beating up the the punching bags, those heavy bags, and he just like knocks it across the room, and then he has to grab another one and put it up. I mean, that's another great moment where he's exercising. He he doesn't have to exercise. He's a superhuman. He's been engineered to be a superhuman. He doesn't have to do all this running, but he needs to do all this running. He can't sleep anymore. He doesn't want to sleep anymore. He's been sleeping for 70 years. And then Anthony Mackie talks to him about this. I mean, you're, you know, I, I know how you feel. Like You feel like your bed's a marshmallow and you're just going to sink right through the, you know, right through the earth. And I, it, there's a sense that, that Steve Rogers is exercising not to keep himself into shape, but to keep himself thinking, to keep himself alive basically because he's been sleeping for 70 years and i love this exercise segment at the opening and then of course anthony mackie mackie gives him this idea of oh you should look at uh, Thunderman, i think it is and he, he brings out this little steno pad that he writes on he has this whole list of things that people have been telling him these are the things you've missed while you've been asleep these are the things you have to look at i love that little that little thing but the idea that that captain america as superhuman as he is, has to exercise in order to keep his mind uh, level, basically. Can't believe you didn't go for Spanglish. And I know. I really should have. I apologize. I'm going to use that for my best uh, sex scenes. That's going to be my next one. Well, I have a copy of it if you need to. Right, thank you so much. I love you for trying. She shouts that at her, too, and she outjogs the floor. All right, so uh, for our listener submissions, uh, Paul Weimer uh, immediately jumps in with mine. So uh, favorite moments of exercise. Uh, number three, Captain America, First Avenger. We see – oh, this is First Avenger. Sorry. We see Steve Rogers before his transformation to Captain America running dead last in a training run that General Phillips, it's Tommy Jones, recruits uh, are undergoing. He, under, he outwits them in that whole flag thing. All right. Very good, Paul. I thought you were going to oh. trump me. Uh, Set exercise or training? Yes. Okay. Oh uh, Paul Weimer's number two. In the Avengers, we first see Steve, Captain America Rogers, taking his frustration at now being a man out of time while working out with a punching bag. The poor punching bag never has a chance against a super strong super soldier. As he knocks it off the chain and across the room, it's clear, establishing character moment and a great way to catch up with the character. And Paul Weimer's number one, Captain America Winter Soldier... Steve, Captain America, Rogers, and Sam, the Falcon, Wilson, Anthony Mackie, or as um, I think uh, Chris Markinson said, Howard Mackie, comic book writer, uh, meet up when they are both doing running laps around the reflecting pool between the Washington Monument and the Lincoln Memorial. It's a great bit of character and relationship establishing with humor. Later on, Sam proudly says, I do what Captain America does, only slower. A callback to their first meetup scene. So that's Paul Weimer. Totally trumping mine. Thanks, Paul. Some people love to watch Chris, Chris Evans work. I love that uh, Paul made all of his thematic. Good for him. Next, we have James Miller. This is not Millar, I should say. So no relation. This is James Miller. Uh, this, is, this is a great topic, and my number one came immediately to mind. Number three, I'm going to wail on my pecs, and then I'm going to do my back. Wow. Uh, orca. Get it? 
This is Kevin Spacey saying this to Annette Benning in American Beauty. Oh, uh, nice. oh yeah, he does get totally cut in that, doesn't he? Um, he gets ripped, yeah. He, he wants to look good naked, yeah. Uh, after she discovers him working out for the first time ever, the reason he wants to look good naked. There you go. Oh, sorry. Sorry, James. <laughs> James number two, truth, justice. These are the tattoos emblazoned on Robert De Niro's back as he does amazing mm-hmm. vertical push-ups in his cell at the beginning of 1991's Cape Fear. While just an okay remake, the scene stays with me. That was all CG, by the way. There's no way he yeah, could have gotten in shape like that. Yeah. And uh, James Miller's number one, Christian Bale doing dozens of rapid-fire stomach crunches while watching the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in American Psycho. Those are all good, James. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> the movie uses the screams of adject terror in the end of a dissolve. <laughs> it comes into focus on the plate of fruit and tonic water. The camera pans up to frantic movement. We expect to see a scene of murder, but instead it's just Patrick Bickman working out classic James Miller. Mm-hmm. Next we have Michael Taggart. Oh, oh, sorry, Michael Tigart. Hey guys, good topic. Uh, number three, I am legend. There's a short training montage of Will Smith doing pull-ups, then running on a treadmill. Oh, this is a good one. I like this. Yeah, good job, Michael. Sorry. Uh, running on a treadmill while his dog, Sam, runs on a treadmill beside him. Aww. I love this scene. Smith and his dog train to survive the apocalypse. Too risky to go outside and train, but they have to be ready for those times they are forced to venture forth. This is a really great pick I like. I like this pick, Michael. The dog gets a treadmill. That's awesome. Because the, the dog needs exercise, and he can't take him out for usual walks. This is great. That's a great pick. Damn. Michael. All right, you win. Uh, number two, the wrestler. Mickey Rourke plays an aging, broken-down professional wrestler trying to hang on to the only life he knows. There's one scene that shows Rourke going out in the woods and trying to jog. It's a pretty sad, pitiful scene to watch. Rourke is watching, is wearing the old-fashioned gray sweats that guys wore back in the 80s. He moves stiffly and painfully. and can't take more than a couple of strides before he's losing his breath. So I love the image of this poor, battered guy trying desperately to force his body back into some semblance of what it used to be. I kind of liked Marissa Tomei's workout scene. In that hey, movie. what? Come on. What? Sam May. That's training. <laughs> Why did you say that name? And uh, Michael's number one, Vision Quest. What? The entire movie is about a high school wrestler, Matthew Modine, obsessively trying to cut enough weight so that he can wrestle a champion named Shoot at a lower weight class. Modine does a lot of working out. How do you spell that thing? It's Shoot's name. It's like uh, Dwight Schrute, but without the R. S-C-H-U-T-E. Weird. Okay. Um, but my favorite exercise <laughs> moment in this film is actually when Modine and his sidekick go to watch you training. They walk down a tunnel into a huge football stadium and see him working out by climbing the stadium steps, carrying a huge log on his shoulders. So for all those sissies out there climbing steps without a tree on your back, you're doing it wrong. Bruce Wayne should totally appropriate that yeah. exercise mode. I like that. <laughs> or he should put a tire on each side of the log. <laughs> or just a whole car. Hi, <laughs> uh, Mick Cabrera. Greetings, everyone. Here are my top three three favorite moments of exercise. Uh, please excuse the fact that I know you guys hate two of these movies. Um, number three, Lady in the Water. Uh. Say what you will about this movie, but the character that ends up being 
The Guardian, I have I've never seen this, so I don't know what this means, is performing an experiment in which he only works out one side of his body. Oh my god, that's right. Oh, Jesus. Isn't it John Leguizamo or I someone? I have no idea. I thought it was uh, Paul Giamatti who was in that. He's the lead. Uh, this is one of the wacky guys who lives in his apartment complex. Not sure if this is practical or digital effect. It was hilarious to see him doing bicep curls on an extremely ripped side of side of his body in contrast to the scrawny side. This reminds me of a Mad Magazine uh, comic. I think there was a there was a comic of like Arnold Schwarzenegger's first attempt at lifting weights, and like he just has one huge bicep and the other side scrawny. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's it's Freddie Rodriguez, by the way. Oh, okay. Get that reason. Keep the guy who gets. Who's Freddie? Uh... Oh, the guy from. Is he the guy who got kicked down the elevator shaft? Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Richard Dreyfuss kicked He's him from, down. He's from uh, the first Planet Terror. I mean, Planet Terror. Oh, right. Of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yep. Uh, I thought he a good runner-up. Uh, music number Sorry. two is Incredibles. My uh, Mr. Incredible works out at the sa- at the train yard to get back in shape. Leg pressing engines, lifting cars with chains, etc. Love the little montage of him doing this while at the same time trying to avoid being noticed by passing trains. And finally, Jaime's number one is Unbreakable. Mm-hmm. I love, 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 that's three loves, the scene where Bruce Willis is working out and his kid just wants to spend time with him, so he asks him to take weight off the bar. He's bench-pressing. His son, wanting so much to believe his dad is a superhero, adds weight instead. And he finds out he's mad, but then they proceed to progressively la- pr- progressively add all the weight. Uh, My favorite is when he's starting to add weight. He comments to his son, you should never do anything like this. You know that, right? He had paint cans, too, and other stuff. That's what I remembered. Right? Oh, and, I thought it was like buckets of cement or something. Yeah, yeah, it just keeps going. And pertinent to today in particular, the end of that quote is, what do you do if something bad happens? And the kid answers, get mom. <laughs> <laughs> See, he's a good, he made a good scene. I, I love the last? I unapolog- unapologetically love that and signs. Yeah, and like Demolion, though, he does great scenes, like the basement stuff in signs, the kids' birthday party footage. Um, oh, yeah, that birthday party footage. The Yahtzee scene in The Visit. <laughs> oh, no, no. I mean, are you being facetious? Because no, The Visit I like had some really... Yeah, yeah, not yeah. not yeah, facetious. Yeah. It just, if you take out the rapping, it's not a bad movie. Oh, uh, the rapping, though, is what makes it a horror I movie. I know. Well, yeah. And we know we're in a <laughs> horror movie when he raps. Thing is, you haven't seen the video. No, I, so, I don't so. even know if you're spelling rap with a W at the beginning. There's a little annoying white kid in there who raps. He's, he's like an annoying child actor. He's terrible. He gets poo. And, Never mind. Uh, yeah, for, oh, in his face, yeah. For whatever reason, though, uh, he thinks that like, rapping is one of his skills, and I guess yeah. the people making the movie thought that was cute. So they give him a couple of scenes where they just let him rap. And it's horrible. Oh, my. Wow. <laughs> it's like a Mac and me... Meets, um, <laughs> <laughs> meets straight no, out of Compton. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. Next, next we have Grant Stewart. Grant Stewart's three are three. My third choice is Jesse Eisenberg's Rule Number One in Zombieland, which is of course cardio. I suppose the exercise itself happens off screen, but when he has to escape a couple of zombies by doing laps of the car park to shake them off, we all know he's been doing his time on the treadmill. 
That is such a great, like, uh, sort of subversion of, of zombie stuff. It's just, you know, run around in a circle. Yeah. Yeah. They're slow. So, yeah, I love that bit in Zombieland. Uh, number two for Grant Stewart, Jonah Hill makes piss-poor attempt at running the 100 meters in Superman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of him and Dave Franco at the soccer field, though. <laughs> <laughs> when he just boots the thing. Yeah, and you, yeah, exactly. And you hear off off camera Dave Franco going, "You're getting that," and John Hill's like, "No, I'm not." <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't even make it the whole way and actually get lapped by an amputee who calls him a pussy <laughs> in a really mocking. <laughs> You know what, Dingus? Now that you and I love Bill Hader and Skeleton Twins, if we were to go back and watch Superbad, would we be less annoyed at the wacky cop stuff with Bill okay. Hader? Uh, no, I've tried it again. Really? Oh, rats. Okay. Uh, I was wondering if this was going to come up. Okay, Grant's number one. The opening of The Born Supremacy is Matt Damon running on the beach in – oh, okay, Supremacy. This is fine. Of, of Matt Damon running on the beach in Goa. I like the little touches of Born working out here and there to maintain his fitness. I love the visual and the energy of the scenes from around Goa so much that I have been there on holiday twice and stayed at the same beach both times. Keep it with it for granted. Wow. This is a good one. Ha- wow. How do you guys feel about another Paul Greengrass, Matt Damon porn movie? Sure. Is that the is that all these posters that, that see happening? you know his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's happening. That's a deal. Oh, right. uh, I think this year uh, or something. Yeah. It's better I than the Renner one that was kind of lame. Oh, I come like on. the Renner one. Oh. Yeah, I did too. I like the Renner one better than the last Greengrass Damon one. I don't. Dingus uh, didn't like the New York's. Didn't like Ultimatum at all. Right, Dingus, you're with me on yeah. that. It's Aren't the you? least yeah. good, but I like all the... The Green Zone. I like Constrology. Really? Oh, God, Dingus. Yeah, oh. Sour Green Zone. See? Why would you too much that green. Up, Dingus? Sorry. Too much green. Maybe I don't want another Paul Greengrass born. Dingus, I was all... Sorry about that. It only takes one movie to to make a streak. <laughs> <laughs> Next, we have Chris Cesarano. Uh, hey, crew, this is another tough week, as this is a fine line between exercising to get or keep fit and training. Number three, Terminator 2. Most folks my age probably saw the sequel as children before they saw the original Terminator, so Sarah Connor's introduction as a badass gives the absolute Ah. perfect first impression of this character. However, taking the first film into account makes this introduction so much more as we see that Sarah is completely transformed following the experience of the first film. So I guess this is her doing pull-ups on the the bed? Showing off those guns, Yeah. yeah. And her arms. Oh, that reminds me. Okay, I didn't think about it. <laughs> Kelly White. I mean, uh, oh Terminator's scary. Robot. I can't believe not, none of us chose Vasquez then. All right. Um, number uh, two, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Silly, but the first thing to pop into my mind was the sight of Joan of Arc shoving the aerobics trainer aside because the workout was not hardcore enough. <laughs> Boy, I don't even know what that means, but it sounds awesome. <laughs> no, I remember it. It's a trampoline. She's super good at trampoline and aerobics because those are the hardcore Joan of Arc. But also, uh, Genghis Khan does um, some. This is all during a workout? Yeah, when they go to the mall. Wow. Also, I would yeah. count Napoleon on the water slide as exercise. <laughs> wow. Oh my gosh, these words put together. I didn't expect all this. I wondered if they told Lincoln that he gets assassinated 
because he's there to deliver a history report, and then wouldn't Nat, wouldn't R. Lincoln have gone, hey, what happens to me? And then they go, uh, well, uh... <laughs> like, wouldn't you look go see my book? Am I going to win the Civil War? What? Don't go see the play. Don't go to see my favorite cousin. Yeah, right. so some paradoxes. Don't drink the um, hemlock. <laughs> Chris Serrano's number one choice, Silver Linings Playbook. Kelly Wand, I believe you chose that as mm. one of your number one movies of any year. That movie is training for me. Uh, so Chris says, I absolutely love Jennifer Lawrence and Bradley Cooper in this film. Oh. Pat goes jogging as both, both physical and mental exercise with the goal of getting back together with his now ex-wife. But a run-in with Tiffany kicks off – I wish I'd read this as my – get you guys to guess something. Thing. But a run-in with Tiffany ah. kicks off the real process of Pat getting over his now-finished marriage. The blossoming relationship between the two of them is wonderful every viewing, and I just absolutely adore Tiffany's vulgar, no-nonsense approach to the world. I forgot her name was Tiffany. That doesn't seem to go with the character. No, but this makes me think of another sad jogging thing that I should have chosen. All right, so as a runner-up, he chooses Captain America Winter Soldier. On your left. Thanks for the podcast. Thank you, Chris. All right, next we have... Uh, Podrick Payne. Burt Lancaster and Tony Curtis walking on their hands for an entire conversation in Trapeze. 1956, (laughs) whippersnappers. Um, Wow. Hmm. (laughs) Linda Linda Hamilton's introductory Madhouse pull-ups in Terminator 2. Uh, I've seen that movie. And finally, Podrick says... George Clooney and Francis McDormand's obsessions with fitness and sex, culminating, culminating in an aerobic dildo machine, bird after rating. See? I didn't remember it being an aerobics machine, though. I just remember it being a... I don't even... Ugh, I don't remember what it was. Okay. Fair enough. You got me, Kelly Wand. All right. Next, we got Keith Richardson. Hi, long-time listener. First time running in. Here it goes. Number three, Get Up. A mostly forgettable Japanese comedy... We meet the main character teaching an aerobic class and establish his love and knowledge of the music of James Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Number two for Keith Richardson. Wait, what's the name of the movie? Get, Get Up. Oh, I thought that was a quote. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> it, it, I, apparently it's called Get Up, and he has an exclamation mark right after it, so I guess that's part of the title. I've never heard of this. Get Up. It sounds like – Okay. Well, it's, it's 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 clearly from a James Brown. It's get up, get on up. Perfect. Okay, I got it. All right, sorry. Since number two is bridesmaids, Annie and Lillian go to the park to work out suspiciously close to where boot camp instructor is giving his lesson. It's only ten dollars. No, Keith, it's twelve. He tells them it's twelve dollars. How dare you? And Keith Richardson is number one. Two thousand one, a space odyssey on board Discovery. Hey. Dave Bowman is jogging the interior of ships uh-huh. and circumferences. Actually, what true. do you think of that, Kelly Wand? I'm, yeah, I was stupid. Doesn't is Frank Poole the guy who gets killed in the in the cryo? Yeah, yeah. Like he never wakes up. No, no, Frank. Poole. No, he gets his hose cut and he is in space. Oh, okay. he's the guy that flies. Who's, who's the guy that? Do they say again? We don't know. We his don't name. know we those don't people. I think okay, one's right. a lady. It's like Planet of the Apes. Wow. Uh, Kelly, I would ask you to say Arthur's name. Arthur Giovanni I went to Florence this week. Thank you. I like to think of 3x3s as a type of mental exercise that helps strengthen Mm. my memory. 
Running from the three by three cops is also decent work. <laughs> I've got a three Captain America. <laughs> Captain America, the Winter Soldier, on your left scene that opens the movie. Uh, Number two, American Psycho. Uh, Patrick Bateman describes his morning routine, which includes 1,000 reps of some very intense crunches. The images of Bateman exercising show his immense dedication to his image. And finally, number one, Silver Lang's playbook. Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence run into each other while jogging, and Cooper tries to run away. The image is hilarious since Cooper is wearing gray sweats and a garbage bag. Lawrence oh, God, that's right. a very cute jockey outfit. Me cute. Elimon's <laughs> favorite movie. Oh, God, yes. I regret nothing. Colton W. Westrate. Just one this week, gentlemen. Mr. Incredible's Get Back in Shape montage where he's working out in the rail yard is one of my favorite Pixar sequences. The images and the music are just perfect. I don't typically have a ready answer for any of what's your favorite type questions, but I always come back to The Incredibles as my favorite Pixar film, and the joy of bits like this one are why. I'm still scratching my head about how Brad let Tomorrowland get away from him. Oh, Cauldron, quit bringing that up. It's, it's like Dingus bringing up Green Zone. Jeez, right. people. Uh, Keep doing what you're doing, Colton. Colton, you have an awesome name. Uh, we have somebody named Chris Markinson. I don't know if we've had uh, anything from this guy before. Um, He's our Tom Holland. I couldn't find... (laughs) (laughs) Not to be confused with Tom Hollander. Um, I couldn't find any instances of characters exercising at a gym and referring to themselves in third person, so these will have to do. (laughs) Number three, Moon. Oh! Mm. Wow. See, Dingus? Uh, See? Dang it. Uh. The first shot of Sam Rockwell's character is him running on a treadmill. First, the shot is of his feet, then a shot of his torso and head, and then a full-body shot of him taken from another room as Gertie rolls past the camera. I can't believe I didn't notice this before, but the T-shirt Rockwell is wearing says, Wake me when it's quitting time. Whoa! That's so good. Nice. So, Dingus, you missed... Dingus, you missed Moon and I Am Legend. What's going I on totally here, missed both of those. That Moon is a great one. Damn it! Oh, it's, it's uh, such a great uh, counter to 2001. That's great. Damn it, Chris. Everybody missed Karate Kid so far, except me. <laughs> uh, number two for Chris Markinson. I guess the core didn't get theirs. In Full Metal Jacket, there's a montage of scenes where the recruits are running through various obstacles for physical training. Well, there are some very jolly moments and a heck of a lot of abuse heaped on the recruits, I'm choosing Joker doing his pull-ups. He does one for the Commandant, but he's unable to do one for the core. It's more of a training thing, but Moon is going to give you so much leeway, Chris. Uh, and number one, there is sparkling water in a glass, a plate with some fruit on it, and there are blood-curdling screams and the Texas... Oh, okay. Texas Chainsaw Massacre plays on television while a physically fit Patrick Bateman furiously does crunches. Once he said fruit on the plate, I, I yeah, I don't, I don't remember yeah. that movie as well. All right, we got two more. Mm-hmm. Chris Webb, uh, number three. There's a direct to Redbox horror movie called Ratter. Tom, <laughs> uh, it's not the, the Irish director. It's not Lynn's, Lynn Ramsey's first movie. No, and that, but that's immediately what I thought of, because you've talked about that. And I may not know this one. In which right. we view the protagonist through the lenses of various camera devices in her apartment. 
One such camera is an Xbox Connect, which she uses for some sort of exercise dance routine. Part of the reason I like this scene is that it taps into our fear of big government slash sex perverts. The other reason is that the actress <laughs> is Ashley Benson. Kelly Wand? Oh. Who is that? My know. favorite spring breaker. <laughs> <laughs> Except for Franco. Except for Franco. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot. Forgot about him for a minute. Uh, Chris Webb's number two, the main dude in Nightmare on Elm Street 2, mm. gets into a what? fight with another dude during gym class, and the teacher forces them to do push-ups in the field after school. The shared pain bonds the two former nemeses together, not unlike soldiers at war. Unlike soldiers at war, however, a clawed man in a fedora waits for them inside the boys' locker room. <laughs> another bonding. And Chris, oh, Chris Webb's number one in the movie Pandorum. There is an actress that oh. is so attractive that Tom Angie Trow. Oh, Angie Trow. I watched Pandorum again this week. Oh, you did? I, I wonder did. why. Based on what I just uh, heard. What? No. Oh, I saw her in Criminal. She's in Criminal as a as an assassin. You watched Criminal, uh, Tom? I did, Kelly Wand. We'll have more on that next week. Uh, but I watched Criminal. Angie Trow was in it, and I was like, Oh, Angie Trow. I need to see Pandorum again, so I watch Pandorum again. Did you drop her? I don't get that. Drop her. Oh, drop trout. Dingus! Oh, my uh, God. Uh, I like <laughs> in the movie, Chris Webb says, in the movie Pandorum, there's an actress that is so attractive that Tom had to excuse himself to either use the restroom halfway through the movie. I bet he had a good Whoa. workout. What the heck? No, no, I never, I never said that. Did I? I never... Did I say I that? I don't know. Chris Webb knows. Hmm, I might have said that. Uh, is is Chris Webb watching me through my Xbox Connect? Oh, ouch. We all are. <laughs> it's a slow week. Finally, we have... Oh, Angie Trow is so hot. It is, it's her costume, too, is part uh, of it. See? She looks so good. In it reveals one. rather than veils. It's a paraphrase, Robert E. Howard. <laughs> Finally, we have Nick D. Wait a minute, real quick. What was he? What was he picking from Pandorum? Uh, the costume. From his he teeth. doesn't. Oh, I bet he. Oh, I guess it's your workout. I should. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. So I was thinking. I just watched it. I don't remember anybody working out. All right. you know Chris <laughs> Webb. What's going on here, Tom? No idea. I might have said this on the podcast before oh. about Angie Trout. Wow, well, that works. She was, in, she was in Superman. Like we, uh, I'm sure she came up oh, during... She played uh-huh. Keep uh, going. Zora, uh, whatever. Oh you actually watched Pandorum again. I did like Pandorum. Pandorum is, yeah, like Pandorum, the, the thing you can say about Pandorum, it's really stupid throughout most of it. Pandorum has a great payoff. Like the reveal at the end, I don't know if you guys yeah. remember. But the reveal at the end of Pandorum is really cool. Um, and it's got a great, it's got great production design. There's sets, because normally you'd think... You know, a spaceship movie is just going to have some dippy little... I mean, it's not a low-budget movie. Some, some people threw money at that thing when they made it. No, I did like the production stuff. design of that. I mean, I really liked it. It's not just like a bunch of vacuum cleaner hoses. I mean, it looks really good. Right. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And their their zombie things are... I mean, they rely a little bit too much on that gimmick of over-cranking the camera. But their zombies are, like, scary, freaky-looking. And yeah, It's a boy's name. Pandorum? Yeah. Oh, because Pandorum... Right, right, exactly. Does he have a box, Kelly Wan? Oh, see? <laughs> <laughs> and finally, we have Nick D. 
Moving along. Nick D's number three, American Psycho. Hmm. I, I love the scenes in which, in, uh, where Christian Bale gets ready for work by exercising with horror movies in the background. Uh, number two for Nick D, The Avengers. Captain America exercises with a punching bag, trying to work out his memories of being frozen for decades. He punches the bag so hard that it blows off its chain. Uh, number one. Oh, I forgot this one. This is good, Nick. Uh, number one, Lost in Translation. Bill Murray attempts to work out in the hotel gym, but can't figure out the crazy Japanese treadmill exercycle. <laughs> it's a, um, it's an elliptical, I think, that he's on. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, as it speeds up, he can't get off, and he has to shout help to the empty room. <laughs> yeah, and it gets faster and faster, and like, he can't quite grab the thing. Uh, but I think it's an elliptical. But yeah, that is. That's funny. That's a funny one. All right, that's all that that's that's all that we've got for our listeners. Do you guys have any um runners up? What's the sad jogging one that you thought of, Dingus? The sad jogging one. Yeah, we, we were oh, birth. something about jogging. Beginning of birth. Oh yeah, yeah, I thought about uh, that too. Yeah. Hmm. The exercise itself though is yeah, spectacular. Yeah, it, I mean he run, he he runs into a tunnel, which symbolism yeah, you know, it's that exactly kind of, right. Yeah. But I just remember that I whenever I go running or whenever I work out, uh, as I get older I just think about this is a guy who's pretty fit, and the movie begins with him dying while he's being fit. And everybody thinks, this guy's pretty fit. And I'm not very fit. But just thinking about, like, working out and then just, like, dying, like, running out in Central Park. I mean, what a horrible thing And the, that the movie begins that way. I mean, that was, you know, that was one of the things I was thinking of this week is that opening of well, birth. The, the takeaway dingus, don't I? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, definitely. So there's, this is totally a Tom That's been my takeaway since birth, birth, by the way. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> since birth. Very good, Kelly Wan. Yeah. Uh, this is not a dingus movie. Kelly Wan, I'm not even sure you'd like it. There's this really weird, and that's one of the my favorite things about it is how weird and different it is. There's a horror movie called They Look Like People. Ah, um, what? That, uh, no, it's, I, I like it a lot. I don't think it's for you. It's very much a Tom Chick movie. It's kind of slow, but there's something that happens in it that really, just thinking about it, creeps me out. Great title. Um, Great title. It really is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah but it's a little indie thing that was shot in uh, in New York. It's got a good sense of place. Um, there, one of the characters is working out. You, you show him, go, you see him going to the gym, uh, and you didn't realize this before. But when you see him working out, the guy's got these like amazing biceps, and you would never know from just like looking at him wearing his, his clothes normally. But what he's listening to in the in the gym, uh, it's not music, but they're, they're affirmation tapes. Um, which sets up this great – it's a sort of an introduction to the character as a guy who is so fundamentally insecure that even as he's working on this amazing sculpted body that he's got, he needs someone in his ear saying, you can do great things. You're a mountain. You are, which it's, it's, and it, it's a lot about uh, – they look like people's very much a character-driven movie, and it's a lot about this fundamental insecurity that he has. Uh, and there's a great reveal, too, later in the movie about the tapes that I don't want to ruin. But I just remember that was a great gym scene. Nobody's seen that but me. Um, so that's a runner-up for me. Hmm. Is it in the theater? No, it's VOD. Yeah, it's a video on demand. Yeah. They look like people. It, they, not for you. And Kelly one, maybe even not for you. I don't know if you would mm, like sounds it. Sounds like you're challenging me. No, well, I guess you'll just have Did to Did you see think it The Witch was for me? Yes, oh, okay, Witch is right, for right, everyone. Right. Except he for The Witch was not for oh, me. Oh, yeah, sorry. But he was, well, I just but he did was tricky. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I totally did that so that he would go. Uh, my only runner-up was the Rocky Four montage, 
where God. Drago, the Russian, he's using like super expensive equipment to train and steroids, and then it's intercut uh, with heavy metal music or like lame '80s music, not really oh. heavy metal, uh, with Rocky like carrying a log through the snow and like farting really hard on the tree. <laughs> so it's like learning uh, the old way. Obviously, I'm surprised none of you guys had this. None of the readers. Um, Shalane Simmons is the kickboxing instructor on the cruise ship in Chupacabra Terror. <laughs> it's a great exercise sequence. She shows her teaching the class, so it establishes her character, so that later on when she kickboxes the Chupacabra, it doesn't come from out of nowhere. Great. Like, it makes perfect sense yeah, as her character. Uh, what about were... the Lost World? Oh, the gym. That's not <laughs> That's <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, what if I were to say Die Hard 2? What would that make you guys think of? Uh, is that the airport one? one? Yeah. Who exercises Do you remember that? William Sadler in his hotel room exercising at the beginning? Oh, yeah. Kind of nakedly? Yeah. Like he's doing his whole, his whole Tai Chi exercise. He's doing an Apocalypse Now Sheen riff. Yeah, I love yeah. that. I love that William Sadler stuff because he looks totally great in that, and it's just so weird and creepy. Um, and you'll and the have other, the, the other is a tandem. It's the openings of Olympus and London has fallen. Oh, and yeah. And so Olympus yeah, has yeah. fallen opens with an exercise routine of boxing with the president, and then London opens with an exercise routine of running with the president when they make president jokes. About that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the idea being, hey, the president has to work out just like everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And he sucks, but he sucks, though. He needs a bodyguard who's in shape. But it pays off in various ways. In London, fall, yeah. as well as, like, if I have to run in these uh, shoes, I'm not going to, you know. <laughs> right, right. And uh, So that's yeah. all I got. Yeah. But in right, Battle yeah. of L.A., Aaron Eckhart has that scene at the beginning where he's jogging, and then he, like, hurts his knee or something, so he has to spray uh, antihistamine on it. Jeez, why do you remember wow, that? Amazing. That is, why would you remember that, Kelly Wan? Because I remember thinking, oh, this could be good. Like, oh, he's vulnerable. Oh, like that's the version of where Tom Cruise drops the girder at the beginning of War of the Worlds. Like that's the matchup. Like it's Tom Cruise's crane operating skills versus alien technology. And in this, it's uh, Aaron Eckhart versus. Well, then the rest of the movie happens. But it's like ah. But then, yeah, right. So the rest of the movie happens. So Kelly Wan, at that point, you just flush the memory of the movie from your brain. So that it doesn't take up space, right? right. Like, but why are you going? Gonna... Well, just because it's such a mundane opening, and I kind of liked that. Like, oh, it's so it's going to open really slow, and then it's like the rest of it. Well, you do remember when we saw the trailers for that? Like, it, it just set up this idea that it was going to be this really just creepy story about everyday life being disrupted by aliens coming down. You know, yeah, just, and really, out in LA and aliens come down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. just. Us being overawed by it. And then in the movie, awe is the last word that comes to mind. Well, it's a shame that they, yeah, that, that trailer got ruined by being an actual movie. Yeah. Same character, though. That's the president. <laughs> that's, that's his origin story, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. After he saves L.A. from aliens, he gets elected right. to office. Makes sense, yeah. But he still needs Butler, who's, who's out of town during Battle of L.A. Kelly Wand, why don't you uh, tell the listeners, and me and Dingus, what is next week's 3x3 going to be? So we've done bombs, we've done lasers, we've done oceans, we've done whatever Uh-oh. this week's was. None of these, <laughs> none of the other ones are very interesting. Those are the only ones I remember. So this week we're doing 
three best walks away from explosions. If you'd like to participate, send your uh, votes towards 3x3 at quarter to 3.com and listen to me read, try to read them on the air correctly. Uh, Kelly, one day, I will say you're getting better at taking charge with that whole uh, just, just get the 3x3 three three out there and let yep. the listeners know how they can do it. Don't even let us question it. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> you just, just barreled right past any options to question or. Yeah, so that's the topic. Like we're on crossfire. Will be, yeah. Will you be taking any questions, Kelly Wand, on that one? Uh, yes, but I won't be answering them. <laughs> I will be hearing them and listening, listening to them uttered. Yes. Uh, what are we going to see next week, Kelly Wand? Uh, criminal. Oh no, we're not no. seeing that. Uh, we're seeing oh. another superhero movie called The Lobster. I still can't wait to hear what. I just can't wait to hear you, uh, Kelly, and you were reacting to that movie. The Lobster. Uh, How do we find yeah. The Lobster? Are we going to go to? The Lobster, good question. The Lobster is uh, it has a theatrical release uh, next week, and I don't know when their VOD will be. Right. I doubt it's simultaneous. Um, so it'll be a limited release if you live... Somewhere that's not where Dingus and I live, you might have a hard time finding it. Um, Hamburg, you're fine. But yeah, but uh, so check out the lobster. Join us for the podcast on it next week, along with our three by three of uh, people walking away from explosions. Is that what you said? Yeah, just like that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian. Murkovia. It's Christian Murawski. And we had Kelly. It doesn't have to be a slow-mo walk either, but the explosion has to be slow-mo. Dingus, my favorite Avenger was Flash. You know they say sarcasm is a metric for potential. If that's true, you're going to be a great man someday. I swore a note to keep it secret. This lie has kept Apocalypse at bay for hundreds of years. We were afraid if the Queen's heart was destroyed, you'd lose your immortality or die. That wasn't your choice to make! Wasn't he the first Avenger and the last Witch Hunter? Because he's the <laughs> oldest?